have a good one for for you today. Um, first off, let's start uh, let's start with the bad news. Evan is not gonna be here this week. He had another commitment, so uh, he couldn't record with me. But thankfully, thankfully, I have the one and only Spider Space uh, to help me get, go through go through this episode. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, we've got we've got a lot to talk about today so we got evan out of here so we can really focus right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we, we just we just basically told evan's friends to come out today so he couldn't record and <laughs> so he was busy and <laughs> it was an elaborate stratagem uh anyway so uh remember how we did we did like long episode uh this last week uh well now we have even more previews from MH2. So this, way more. This, way more, and also kind of busted a bunch of them, huh? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for today because I, I know you and I kind of got to do like a preview of, of what this is going to be like because I actually, it's kind of funny, I, I mentioned a card to Evan and then somehow, I, I don't know if I was watching his stream and he raided you or what. But then it was like instantly I was talking about it with you and your stream, and we were just on total opposite sides of the spectrum. So <laughs> yeah. maybe that was an anomaly, or maybe we're just gonna all day not be able to decide where anything should fall for anything. Exactly, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. So we have an an actual discussion that's interesting instead of instead of both of us just saying, "Well, yeah, this is obviously great." <laughs> and I think that that's one of the big things that this this deck has been doing for me. Um, like, yes, there are some cards that are just obviously broken. <laughs> a couple of them are just obnoxiously uh, above rate. Um, but mo most of them is just like, wait, wait a second. Like, is this awesome? Is this terrible? Am I a genius? Am I an idiot? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's been every Discord discussion for anybody paying attention to the previews, I think. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, and I really think that that's that's a great thing. That that's something that I've been enjoying about uh, these these previous season in particular, way more than previous uh, previous uh, previous season uh, that that we we have seen in the past, uh, where you know the the like you know Hogak was pretty obviously broken, right? Like that nobody nobody was really batting an eye for that one. Um, so I don't think that we have seen a Hogak yet. I don't like think I, so I, either. I know people were like, hey, "Is Thrasta the new Hogak?" And I, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna be wrong, but I don't think so. The, I think the cool thing about this set is just how many cards are maybe playable, and so you just constantly mm -hmm. get into this like, "Well, am I supposed to take out one of my, you know, sacred cows from my pet deck for this? Uh, does this make a whole new archetype?" Uh, there's just so many questions you have to ask with this because. I mean, really, this is probably one of the most pushed sets of all time. Usually we only have, like, one or two cards to talk about. Now we've got a whole bunch. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, last time we we didn't have that many previews, so what we did is we uh, basically talked about them uh, basically in the order as they were released, Okay. So we just simply went through all of the all of the cards. We even talked about the squirrel nonsense, and <laughs> um, we we just sped through those ones. Uh, so this time around, we have way too many of them. So what we did is we kind of figured out a sort of uh, tier system. So uh, we're gonna be organizing the cards that we wanted to talk about today, 
and we're going to be organizing them as uh, staples slash busted. That's going to be one of our tiers. Um, then we're going to have new fringe archetypes. Um, here, we're going to be talking about a bunch of cars that um, work together, and they have been spoiled, and maybe they are not going to, you know, rush any archetype to tier 1, but they are some uh, pretty necessary um, power boost to certain existing archetypes, or they just spawn brand new archetypes out of nowhere. Uh, we're going to be talking about like the reanimator cards here, there's no actual reanimator deck in, in, in modern right now, so that could be an archetype. Um, there's uh, there's like some enchantress cards that were, that were spoiled, so we're going to be talking about them um, as they work together, basically. So we're going to be organizing them by archetype, in a way. Um, then we're going to be talking about the oldies. Uh, this is the next um, the next category. And we're going to be talking about some classic cards, uh, some, some that, you know, I love, some that Spider loves, and what we think these cards did in the past, and what they could do in the present, or what they won't do in the <laughs> present, because... Because they really have been have been able to survive the test of time and fire the, the fire the design philosophy hasn't been kind to these ones. Uh, then we're gonna talk about some role players uh, and uh, potential sideboard cards. Uh, these are just your you know your your bread and butter cards and uh, some that are uh, new good options. Uh, be it for you know your main deck, some role players, like some removal spells that are interesting and stuff like that, or just straight up cyber cards, like new cyber options that we're going to have available to us. Uh, then we have a, a different category that's gonna uh, that we named overhyped question uh, mark. Some cards that we are not entirely sold on whether we, they, these are gonna be like completely breaking the format as some people are saying but again like this is the beautiful thing about this set it's just like either we are the idiots or the people that are overhyping these cards are the idiots and that's <laughs> that's not something we're gonna figure out today but uh, it's something that we're going to talk about today and then uh, the final uh, the final category which is probably the most interesting is in a way similar to the overhyped category, but these are cards that we are just, we were thinking, are these broken or are they just straight up unplayable? Like there, there's no middle ground with these ones. They're either going to just break modern in half entirely or they're you're just never going to see them. So we have at least like 50 plus cards to talk about to them uh, to, today. And a bunch of them, I feel like we're going to be spending a reasonable amount of, amount of time with. So... Um, I would say let's let's dive right into it, shall we? Buckle up. Yeah, let's let's get started. Um, number one, this is a card that we haven't really talked about it uh, about yet, but it's a card that we have known about it ex its existence for for a while, which is Abundant Harvest. Uh, for one green green mana, you get a sorcery, and you choose land or no land. You reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Um, have you cast some Abandoned Harvest so far, Spike? I, I have, uh, Spike. Wait, there's a spider. I, <laughs> I have not. Close enough. Um, it's just SMTGO user. There we go. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I have not <laughs> cast an Abundant Harvest. I, do, I don't play that much Legacy, and, and when I do, it's not often the, the Brainstorm decks. But uh, mm -hmm. And I, I say that because I, I think this card has some intrinsic value with other 
draw cards in Legacy. I'll, I'll let you get to that here, I guess, in a minute. I I, I, I kind of wanted to think about it in Modern because, you know, typically our cantrips, they suck, right? Like, Modern's cantrips yep. just aren't good, and that, that's, that's part let, of let, our identity. Let, let's talk about... Let's talk about how Opt is the best cantrip in the format. Right? Like, <laughs> it truly is embarrassing. Um, I mean, I guess we we got the blue red cantrip. Expressive iteration is pretty messed up. It costs two though. That's that's like that. It's it not the two, same yeah. thing. Like once you cost two, yeah. it's a whole new world. <laughs> yeah. No. And whenever we're talking about two mana, that's when we're talking about actual card advantage and and stuff like that. So um, when we're talking about cantrip, obviously we're just, we're talking about just one mana draw a card, and giving you access to some selection. Um, the way that this card works, which I find is extremely interesting, is that it doesn't really give you that much selection. So, uh, as Spider was saying, this card has been legal in Legacy for, um, like, a couple of months now, like two or three months, and I have seen uh, Anurag uh, cast uh, this card a bunch, and one of the things that really works in Legacy is that you have access to Brainstorm. So something that you you can do very reliably is you can Brainstorm, you can put two lands on top of your deck, then you cast Abundant Harvest and you name non-land, and just like that, boom, you just went down uh, and you shuffle those uh, those two bad cards into, into your deck and you have a fresh new card that is, you know, hopefully a card that you want. Um, not only that, but also the opposite is true. Let's say that you keep a one lander um, with Abundant Harvest. Uh, countless times, if you if you play Legacy, you probably know about this situation where you keep a one one lander ponder hand, right? And like you play your land, you ponder, you don't see a land in the top three, you shuffle, you don't see a land, and then you go into the next turn and you don't find the land, and then and then we're in a situation where well. Uh, where do we go from here? Well, Abandoned Harvest will never leave you stranded. If you say land, you will find the land. There's no whiffing with it. Um, on the other, on the contrary, you don't get the selection that spells like Ponder, Preordain give you, right? So it's not like you can look at the, you know the top cards of your of your deck and say, well, this spell is good, but this spell is not good. So I'm gonna grab the spell that's good, and I'm gonna grab the, send to the bottom the spell that is not good, or I'm gonna shuffle it away, or whatever you want. Um, Abandoned Harvest is not gonna give you that. Abandoned Harvest is gonna be the first thing that it's fine, and, and that's it. <laughs> that's what you get. You don't get any any say in the matter. Um, I think that this card is going to be very interesting. I think that it's not going to be... I think that it's going to be probably the best cantrip in Modern, as you were saying, Spider. Um, but compa- but that's more of a, of a testament to how bad the cantrips are <laughs> versus to how good this cantrip actually is. Right, totally. I, I mean, it's not, it's not about Opt being... I get yeah. I guess it's more about how bad or good opt is rather than how good or bad abundant harvest is. I I do think there are some ways to make this card better. Um, you know, we don't have quite the same top deck manipulation that you do. You can maybe do some weird things with like, I don't know, uh, like Mishra's Bobble always has just a thousand tricks, and I'm sure that this you can pair it up and maybe do something interesting there. I do think this card is good in decks that are looking for that kind of high velocity sort of gameplay. You're just like churning through cards all the time. You know, the go-to in my mind would always have been is at Phoenix, which of course is gone now, but 
you know, you, you get the idea. Um, so you're not playing right yeah, in I mean, land. That's, and, and that's what we've, we've been seeing in Historic, right? Like, we've actually seen Timor Phoenix decks in Historic, uh, which are also using, using Brainstorm in, in, in that way. So Exactly, yeah. So I, I think in Modern, you might see it in decks. Low land count. I know some people have talked about it with, like, Dreadhorde Arcanist, because that card's really good with, with strong cantrips, and this is a little bit stronger of a cantrip. I'm not exactly sure how it'll look. I, I feel confident in saying this will see play. People will figure out decks that actually want this. Um, kind of funnily enough, a deck that I think would really be happy with this is Neobrand, but I think that deck kind of <laughs> got banned into the dirt, so it maybe doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Neobrand didn't couldn't really survive the the nonsense. Some people are talking about the Dino helping, uh, potentially helping Neobrand actually, which I thought was hilarious. But <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Like I, I've seen Neobrand gamers do weird stuff. Um, but but yeah, no, I I think that Abundant Harvest is is just an extremely interesting cantrip, and I feel like it's going to be one of those things where just every single green deck is going to be jamming four copies of this at the beginning. People are going to be wanting to try out, see what works, see what doesn't. And then slowly but surely, the decks that where this is good are going to, you know, continue adopting it and it's going to become a staple. And then the decks where this is just not that good are going to just, you know, not play it anymore. Uh, amongst which I think that it's it's possible that Amulet finds its its way into. Um, definitely not sure. Uh, this is a card that I feel like requires a lot of testing before you can really draw any any meaningful any meaningful conclusions because it's just so unique in what it does and the way that it does it is so unique that we haven't really seen anything like it before. Absolutely. It's also worth noting. One of the other best cantrips in modern is actually also in green in ancient stirrings, uh, but this True. doesn't really do the same thing. Uh, stirrings really requires your deck to be built around it much more so than this. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, if your deck is built around it, like a deck like Green Tron, I, I don't think this is better than ancient stirrings in Green Tron probably ever. Um, no. I, I just feel like the, the, the selection that Steerings gives you access to is so important. And specifically in a deck like Greentron, like if you if you have a power plant and you have a mine and you cast Steerings and there's a mine and a power plant in there and, and a tower, sorry, in there, I mean, the fact that you get to choose which one you pick is, is a it matters a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it matters a lot. Well, abundant Howard is going to be work. Here's your mind. Well, but I I had another one of those now. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this one? Um, so I feel like uh, the difference there in, in that specific deck is just so so large, and it, it's kind of the same thing in, in a deck like Amulet. You know, you're looking when we're looking for lands. You're not looking for lands very often. You're looking for specific lands. You either need a castle or you need a bounce land or you need a Tolari West. You don't need like a Slayer Stronghold in, in those spots. So um, I think that makes that makes Abundant Harvest super, super interesting. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a it's a, a card that I, I'm pretty excited to, to try out. Honestly, I, I've been waiting for like three months to, <laughs> to test this stupid card in Amulet, man. Just, just give it to me already. <laughs> you need to know. I need to know, exactly. 
Um, I, I just need to show Jose how wrong he was. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> I love that you uh, think that way, too, because so many of these yeah. previews people are like, this is unplayable, and I'm like, just you wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Next in our staples slash busted list, and this is one that I am personally pretty excited about. It's called Grist the Hunger Tide. It's one green and black for a three loyalty planeswalker, and it has the ability that says as long as Grist isn't on the battlefield, it's a 1-1 insect creature in addition to its other types. Let's just slow there for a second. What does this mean? <laughs> this is this is the relevant part. I'm glad that you stopped there because this is yeah. why it matters. So this card gets around and through so many different things by being a creature when it's not on the battlefield. So um, and you'll get into this a little bit with how the card itself works, but you know it does things with itself in the graveyard. It doesn't get taxed by cards like Thalia. It doesn't get Force of Negation. You could Aether Vial this in. You can Coco this in. You can Cord this in. Uh, so you can unearth this. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that is something that people have really been sleeping on. Like the fact that you can unearth this sounds insane to me. Yeah, agreed. Um, I do think there are a couple shells for it, but I'm gonna let you finish reading the card before I jump. All right. <laughs> All right. Plus one. We create a one-one black and green insect creature token. Then mill a card. If an insect card was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on Grist and repeat this process. So if you mill an insect, you basically get a free activation out of the deal. Uh, minus two, you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, destroy target creature or planeswalker. And minus five, each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So it's kind of the classic, like, you know, plus one, you, you're, you're doing something proactive, minus to protect it a little bit, and then you've got an ult that kind of does something, maybe, depending on your deck. Um, I don't actually think what? those stat lines are all that impressive. I think it's it's really just all uh. about that that passive line of it, it being a creature, in, in, in my mind. So to me, the place that most readily would want something like this would be a deck like Yawgmoth, um, it's a yeah. very low cost. And you can just run one, and you can tutor it whenever you want it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the one important thing is what you were saying about, you know, like, the um, it protecting itself. But, like, putting a 1-1 one -one is a way that this can protect itself, but that's a plus. Mm -hmm. that's, not a, that's not a minus. There, there's not that many Planeswalkers um, in, in the history of the game, really, that protect themselves with uh, plus abilities. Um, I feel like, I, I don't know wh where I heard this, but like the list went down to like Oko at three mana or less. Uh, Oko and uh, like the three mana Nissa. Those are the only planeswalkers that protect themselves um, with a plus ability, meaning that not only they're putting some stuff into the battlefield, but they are also going up in loyalty, making them, of course, harder to kill. Hmm. Yeah, so, that's a small list. Yeah, I mean, because usually what we see when we see something like the Fairy Time Raveler, when we see something like um, Royal Science doesn't protect itself at all, whenever we see Planeswalkers for three or less mana, even Ren, when they are quote-unquote protecting themselves, they are actually minusing, which uh, makes them, you know, easier to kill. Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, barring something like, you know, Jace Dream Prodigy or something like that, which, you know, needs to flip before before it can even do anything at all, um, the list is very limited, and in a deck that has stuff to do with the body that it's creating, I think that this one is going to be a really, really big deal. Mm. You can also just, like, uh, going back to you, you were you were using, like, the, what I think is the clearest example in Yawgmoth, and uh, you can just cord for a removal spell straight up. Right or like Ed, or Edric Evolution, uh, that deck plays uh, the five mana uh, Cavalier, the Black Cavalier. So like this just seems much better by so much. It's not even funny. Right. So absolutely, <laughs> and it's just so much less clunky. Like if you do happen to draw it, I don't think you're ever going to be upset to do this. They, I mean, they even run Mana Dorks, so they get to just play this on turn two if they want to. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, yep, I think this card's up. powerful. It's just a matter of finding if there are any other shells that actually would want you know more than one, so that it's not just about cording it in. I I don't think there's any decks that are gonna vial it in. Although I guess Yogmoth also plays vile sometimes. So what do I know? <laughs> yep, nobody knows really. Uh, but no, th- this this is one of the most interestingly designed walkers we have seen in a, in a really long time. Honestly, really really neat card. All right. Let's talk about another one of our busted cards, and here we're going to be talking about uh, one that we have some pretty differing opinions. Oh boy. In. Subtlety. Two blue blue for a 3-3. Three, three. Creature elemental incarnation, flash flying. When it, when it enters the battlefield, choose up to one target creature spell or planeswalker spell. Its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. And then you can evoke this by exiling a blue card from your hand. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about this card? <laughs> so, quick quick spoiler for folks. When I mentioned a card we were arguing about earlier, this is the card. <laughs> yeah, this is the one. This is the one. Uh, Spider, take it home. I, I think that this card is, is really excellent. Um, and I don't think it has to be in just blink shells. I know... I think everyone has it in their mind because of the whole grief idea with Ephemerate that the only way you, you mm-hmm. want to play this card is with Ephemerate. And mind you, you can absolutely do that with this. I don't think you're going to have a ton of situations where that's actually the interaction you want because if you're evoking it and doing that, there would have to be two things on the stacks. So it would be like a pretty weird, unique situation where you would like actually need double, double subtlety. Um, having said that... Mm-hmm. The ability just in and of itself is very powerful, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you, you see a blue card that pitches another card that stops something from happening. Everyone instantly thinks of Force of Will. Now, this is, of course, not. Uh, we do have some restrictions on it, right? And I think this is the, the biggest point where everyone's like, oh, no, this is, this is why it's bad, because it only hits planeswalkers and creatures. Uh, my counterpoint to that would be, number one, we already have Force of Negation, which covers pretty much everything else. Number mm-hmm. two, this uh, most decks are going to play at least one of those card types, right? So even decks that are fairly creatureless, like you think of like a control deck, they absolutely play Planeswalkers, right? And Modern is a very creature-centric format. So this kind of lets you do that whole shields down thing that Force of Negation did where you like slam a Planeswalker, you slam, maybe it's three mana Teferi, maybe it's four mana Jace, maybe it's five mana Teferi. You, you, you've got your options. <laughs> but this card means, okay, I can slam my Jace, and now you actually can't resolve maybe anything. 
Because I can have subtle... I'm, I'm now representing both subtlety and force of negation. And force. Right? So I have literally everything covered um, in theory, right? I, whether they actually have this or not is, is a different story. And of course, there is some card disadvantage built into it. Um, so you're not, you know, you're not wanting to, to subtlety every single thing. And it's also not a clean answer. It's not like, you know, it, it doesn't just remove it forever. But putting it on top means that it, it gets around clauses like it can't be countered. So I know your favorite thing is you put Cavern of Souls on prime time, slam that yeah. bad boy, and the only thing they can do normally is gust it. And now, now they've got a free way to gust it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think that this kind of like fills in the stop gaps for decks like that. Um, I think there are other decks that could use it, like ephemerate things, but I, I actually do think you can pretty easily play a control shell with this. I, I would want to play it with other ways to get back some of that card disadvantage, because you're going to be playing this and Force of Negation, so you, you know, you're really going to be prioritizing those Archmage's Charms and, and those Planeswalkers, specifically because of that interaction I just mentioned, so you can go Shields Down, or appear to be Shields Down, and then actually... Uh, uh uh here's my free thing. It's also worth noting, like a three three flash flyer for four, you know, it's not like amazing in modern, but let me tell you, I've done a lot of beating down with three power flyers and they get the job the done. The single card I have lost to the most out of control decks uh, is Vendillion Click. Bar none. Bar none. All of those planeswalkers, easy game. Vendillion <laughs> Click though. <laughs> that card is tough to beat for for a primeval titan gamer. Let me tell you. Uh, all right, let me give you some counterpoint then, and this is this is the interesting part about this conversation. Um, number one, I don't think that this card is bad. Okay, I I I don't want to you know. Oh, Francisco said this card sucks. Clearly, he's an idiot. No, no, I'm not <laughs> saying that this card is terrible. Like I'm saying that this card is good. This card will see play. And I think this card should should see play. Like this card is powerful. However, people are freaking out about this card, and I think that this is not free. The first thing is that people are basically thinking of this is force of will, but it's Aether Gust. So like you know they're they're just throwing in both of those things in there, and it's just like well it looks like both a little bit and both of those cars are amazing so clearly this thing has to be busted right <laughs> well um when we slow down and we think why Aether gust is such good of a sideboard card it's not so much because of its effect of you know answering something on the stack but it's even more so because of its capability of answering something onto the battlefield right like you your opponent manages to resolve that blood moon you only have that basic island, and like you, you draw your card, you draw your card, and three turns from now, you find your Aethergust. Sweet. Now you're saved. Okay, a couple of turns later, you're putting that Bloodman on top, you're untapping with all your mana, you fetch, you fix your mana, good to go. This does not help you do anything like that. This, you need to have in your hand when your opponent is resolving the primeval titan the, the, the whatever it is that they're resolving that you want to counter and if you top deck it if you top deck it on the next turn this is a dead card this is actually a dead card in your hand now um so i think that that is a big big difference uh, particularly because very often and i'm saying this as the person doing the casting of primeval titan i have had 
my opponents, instead of answering my primeval titan, they let me resolve the titan, and what they do instead is when I get my lands, they answer the dryad, and then they kill me on the crackback, right? Like, they answer the dryad that I have in play, I cannot kill them, because now my Valakus don't trigger, and then they untap and they kill me with whatever it is that they that they were doing, or they wrath me, or whatever. So, that is a play pattern that this, this card does not enable. Like, this cannot touch anything that has already resolved. Uh, granted, the fact that you can do stuff with without using any mana, it's it's no slouch. Like, this is, this is a very, very powerful effect. Uh, but I think that a lot of people are just, you know, freaking out about this. They're just, they just want to jam four copies of this in every single blue deck. And I think that you probably won't be able to do that. Yeah. I feel, I feel like if you're just going to have, like, you can probably play two copies of this card and it's going to be fine in some scenarios and it's not going to be very good in, the, in other scenarios, but you only have two copies, so you're fine. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't think, like, you need to be playing those Jaces. You need to be playing those Archmage's Charm. You need to be playing those Cryptic Commands. You need to make sure that you're not just falling behind on cards uh, at an alarming rate, because this is going to make you, you know, just completely empty your hand in, like, a turn or two, so... Um, yeah, I, this is has a lot more play than than it seems at first sight. Uh, but yeah, I think it's good. I don't think it's as busted as people think. I think that combining this with Ephemerate is just terrible, so I don't <laughs> recommend doing that. Um, but I think that just by itself, it's it's a good effect. And it's a good card that is going to mostly see play in some form of control decks. Yeah, I that this is much more boring than I anticipated because I'm not like oh the sky is falling with subtlety and and you know when when I mentioned it on your stream you're like I would rather play Vendillion Click which to me was a true slap in the face of like what Vendillion Click that card is unplayable um apparently it's Yo, not it just beats up prime time but <laughs> dude exactly I I've been hurt by Vendillion Click so much you have no idea. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, and even comparing it to Vendillion Click on even, or even something like Fencer, right? Like, I, I think that it, it's it's better to compare this card to even something like Fencer. Um, but, you know, because even V-Click, like, the difference between 3 and 4 mana is a big deal, right? Like, the 3 and 4, that probably, like, between, I guess, 1 and 2 is probably, like, the largest difference between mana. And then, like, 3... Two, uh, three and four, it's, it's it probably the second one, I would say. Um, in terms of how decks more often work in terms of the curve. So, um, I feel like comparing these to V-Click, like, V-Click just comes out ahead in a lot of different spots. Wow. Like, if your opponent has a Nulamog in hand, right? Would you rather be Vanillion clicking your opponent, or would you rather be Subtlety in your opponent? Tell me. I mean, <laughs> sure. I, I think you're going to be able to do that that kind of situation where like I, I, I can make most cards look better than something else given the, the proper board state. I just ju- I have to jump yeah, through of enough course. hoops. Of course. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously I'm obviously being being stupid. But like but that's <laughs> but that's at the same time the point that I'm trying to make. Like it's this is not like, like strictly better. No, like, no, the, I don't and, think and it's this strictly is, better. I, I do think Or this is like a shoe win, you know? Yeah. 
Like, yeah, this is good. This is going to see a lot of play, but you're not just going to be happy jamming four copies of this. I feel like a lot of people are going to. I feel like a lot of people are just going to slam four copies of this into every single blue deck. Uh, but then they're also going to be jamming four copies of Counterspell. And they're going to be jamming four copies of, like, these, you know, like, I don't know, like Path to Excel or whatever removal spell. And at one point, you're just going to be, you're just going to be holding four cards that don't do anything. Uh, in, in your hand, and I don't know, your, your opponent's gonna have resolved a creature on turn one, and, like, that goblin guide is gonna have dealt 12 damage at this point, that <laughs> like, you're just staring at your hand, and you're like, what the hell am I doing with my life right now? Well, it's worth noting that, you know, so first of all, I, I think it's gonna be in similar numbers as Force of Negation, which is not typically a four of. So you're gonna have both. Second of all, that I mean, I this is more of, like, one point A or something. These cards pitch to each other. So, like, if you don't want a subtlety yeah. and they play something you, you can force, you force it. They play something you can't force, you want to subtlety it, you pitch the other way. And, I, I like, you know, you can pitch any terrible card to it as long as it's blue, so that, that doesn't say that much. But I don't think there's going to be that many situations where it's just truly dead. Especially because you can also, like... A three-three body is meaningful. Like you're saying, oh, the goblin guide's beating you to death, and sure, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna searing blaze your three-three the moment you put it out. But you gotta try. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. No, and and again, like four mana is a reasonable price tag. Four mana is not unreasonable for this kind of effect. So that that is that is certainly a thing. Like if this costed five, eh, it's a huge you know? difference. Yeah. It's a, it's a big difference between four and five, but like four, it's like it's something that you can pay. And worst case scenario, you're just like on your end step in the control mirror, just tap four mana, throw this bad boy in there, and ask your opponent a question: Are you, how much damage are you willing to take from this stupid three three that I resolved on your end step? Um, so. I think that it's it's a cool card. I think that it's a cool card, but I I, I don't even think think it's the best from the cycle. Oh, I don't so think far. it's the best from the cycle either. Um, no, I think everybody thinks grief's the best from the cycle. But... <laughs> yeah, I I think that we can probably agree with that one. Uh, anyway, next one, Turak Dread Cantor. This one's cool, man. I I I am really psyched about this one. Uh, one in a black for a two one legendary creature, human cleric. It has a kicker of black black. It has protection from white. Whenever an opponent discards a card, put a plus one plus one card on Torak Dread Cantor. And then when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target opponent discards two cards at random. So Torak hymns you. How, how how flavorful is that? It's it's really flavorful. This is a cool card. I'm glad that they printed this and not actual him to Torak because yep. that's not okay. <laughs> Uh, having said that, I'm not happy that my opponents now have a main deckable pro-white card that I have to fight through. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. You cared about that clause. I forget sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm, maybe I'm the only one, but I but I care. <laughs> Boy, do I care. <laughs> I think uh, it's no. fine, though. I mean, you know, four mana to him is not... It's not busted or any anything close to it. I, I think probably the most interesting thing about this card is that you can play this in a Loris deck, right? So like any yeah. permanent that costs two or less and has meaningful text on it, it's like, oh, hey, wait a minute, that does something. <laughs> uh, no, I like 
I mean, you it gets to a point where like if you're if you're playing a control deck, you just don't want to kill your opponents two one because like they get to kick it again while <laughs> the winter like or in in a mid range battle, you know, because maybe with a control deck you can just counter it or whatever. But like if you're playing a mid range mirror. <laughs> You just don't want to kill your opponent's Torak just so they cannot get him back with Lurus. <laughs> uh, yeah, you managed to like That's so gross. get your opponent to fight or something. Maybe you can even do weird shenanigans of like, you know, end step, you like cryptic bounce their thing, and then you're like, all right, him ya. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, a 4-3 is, is no joke, man. No, no. A like that, that beats down. Like that, that demands an answer or it's going to kill you very quickly. It's, it's really so. interesting to me that, like, so many cards in Modern, you know, a, a creature you have to talk about, like, what what removal test does it pass, right? So it's like, does this die to Lavadar? Does this die to Lightning Bolt? Does it die to Path to Push, right? And this actually dies to all of them except Path, which is usually the other way around. Of Like, if, if a thing dodges all the removal, it's not going to dodge Path. That's, that's your, like, last bastion of hope. This completely flips yeah. that on its head. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, like, Lavadar is going to, you know, eat this guy for lunch. Uh, you can also get this thing Spell Snare, even if you pay, if you pay the kicker. <laughs> Shivers. <laughs> that would be disgusting. Uh, but like, I think this card is very, very cool. I think this one is going to see is gonna see play. And remember that last, uh, last week we talked about Kabal Coffers? Mm-hmm. So um, they are—they're pushing the the mono black thing. <laughs> you gotta pay off. <laughs> yeah, like we got something to do with all of our mana from the Cabal Coffers, man. Like this is exciting. All all of your mana from Cabal Coffers is exactly four. <laughs> Gas. All right, next one, and this—I'm gonna let you go on this one, dude, because I feel like you're gonna have a lot to tell me about this one. Okay. Imperial Recruiter. You can probably just tell me this one from memory. Oh, I, I sure can. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's two and a red. It's a human. Is it a human soldier, I want to say? Human advisor, advisor. man. Advisor. Uh, oh, they, they got me. Uh, it's a stupid advisor, man. Um, anyway. It has a job, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a two and a red, one, one. And when it enters the battlefield, you get to search your library for a creature with power two or less and put it into your hand so this is your it's it's a three mana one one but it's a tutor and they tried to to give it a little bit of a drawback there but it turns out two power or less it gets a lot of things it, it gets a, lot, a of stuff. lot of things it's a lot of things man um okay what well, uh, real quick what, what are you going to be getting with this well, I'm gonna first. I'm gonna tell you what I'm not getting is I'm not getting Flicker Wisp because they didn't give me the white recruiter to do those chains, and I am mad about it. <laughs> uh, but this card, you know, you can still do Flicker nonsense with this. This is this is a great ephemerate target. Just, just mm-hmm. I'm just gonna like set that one on the shelf. Like this set is just everything's like. What does that do with ephemerate? <laughs> Dude, Torpor Orb has never looked better. Oh, let me tell you. No. Please, please Torpor. no. <laughs> Torpor Orb is gonna like the, the Torpor Orb stock is gonna go through the roof, Ugh. my friend. Ugh. But uh, yeah, this gets any hate piece that you want, basically. So you could put a Phyrexian Revoker in your deck as a one of if you're worried about those activated abilities. You could put 
Uh, there's some new rip-adjacent bear things that you could get. There's the old style, where you can get containment priests. Stop those cocos. Uh, if you just like needed that, that normal hate piece that you're running a four of, because everybody runs four Thalia, you could just go grab Thalia. Um, this can grab Aven Mind Sensor. This can grab your personal favorite, Magus of the Moon. Um, God damn it. This grabs Stoneforge Mystic if you want that kind of card advantage and you need to like play to the board. If you just want to do flicker bullshit, you can grab uh, a Charming Prince. It's the the list goes on and on and it depends like any color you want to go into. You you can splash blue and get the MDFC the Glass Pool Mimic. You're like, oh, I need a land. I'll go get Ooh, that yeah. land next turn. I'm gonna go get Felidar Guardian and flicker that land and make a creature. And then I'm gonna flicker the Magus and I'm gonna get another thing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the lines chaser. go deep. Um, yeah. I, I do think it's worth noting uh, uh, Soul Herder is a really good get off of this card. It's reminiscent mm -hmm. of like Esper Vile and Legacy. I guess it's Jeskai Vile in modern, probably. Yeah. Um, that's 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 something that I'm really excited about. Like I, I really enjoyed playing Esper Vile and Legacy, so I'm definitely going to to try to make something like that work. Um, the only problem is that Baleful Strix still not legal. I mean, at you... least at the at the mo at the time that we're recording this, <laughs> it has not been spoiled yet. Okay, you could still get uh, Quaddle. I just, I don't know how you're getting like lands for all of that, but it's like four colors. Jeez. Four colors, snow, astrolabe. Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, of of course, like if you look at the art in in the 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 alternate art, there's a Kiki Jiki and a Pestermite in the art, so that's pretty evocative. Uh, also, like a little bit too on the nose, I guess, but it is it is what it is. That one's a little uh, forced, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a little bit too much. But like you know, we we you talked about further guardian. Not only we can get further guardian with this, but you can also blink itself. Uh, so you can get another one. You can go sort of infinite that way with that one. And I guess further guardian and Kiki Jiki, both of them you can get with, and then th those go infinite. Um, this card is going to see so much play, man. I feel like this card is just. Insane. Like, it, I, I'm honestly kind of happy that they didn't print the white one, because hmm. the white one would have been kind of... It, it's it's a lot better than this one. <laughs> the, the white one, I think. Um, but but this one is this one is going to be really good. And I, I think it's going to see play in all sorts of decks. It's going to see play in humans. It's going to see play in taxes-style decks. It's going to see play in mid-range decks. It's going to see play in Jeskai Soul Herder-style decks and like random ephemerate stuff. Uh, I feel like we're going to see this guy all over the freaking place. Yeah. No, this card does a lot, and I actually, as mad as I am that they didn't give me the white one, I think this, this gives a meaningful differentiation for, for taxes. I know like, I know that's not what we're here to talk about, but as the taxes guy, I got I to at least give a little bit of a shout out here. You, um, you, you got to represent, man. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, with... The printing of Stoneforge Mystic, a lot of people were like, ooh, like, I don't know if you can do that in Leon and Arbiter. And we found out that we could. And I think that if you're going to add this to the mix, you're going to find out that you can't. So yeah. you're going to have to make that switch. Um, that's not to say that Leon and Arbiter is going to become like an unplayable magic card. I think you can still do mono-white things and not play this sweet can... new tutor. But... When, when, when you say that, can, can I... Can I... Use the meme of it always was with the <laughs> that, okay the the astronaut meme. <laughs> I mean, even for taxes players, like Lean and Arbiter has been our worst best card forever. <laughs> that 
that's such a great way to put it. <laughs> so uh, I, I, for one, am, am fairly happy to like, you know, I'm gonna put the cat in the in the ground, and I'm gonna run yeah. this thing. And there's so many reasons why. Like, I know we haven't gotten to it yet, but there's a new removal spell. That's a big reason why you don't have to be running Path to Exile for Leon and Arbiter. And then yes. you've got Magus as your backup land destruction. Land destruction in air quotes. Um, you can even get something like Cavalan Shriders with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, and then you can ephemerate it. Like you can And Skyclave, dude. Like this this guy just does so much, man. It really it really does. Like, I, the, I think the you're more... gonna have a lot of dirtling. Um I think that these decks are gonna be inherently bad to Lavadart, which as of before MH two is absolutely everywhere. So we'll see how much that actually does for us, but um, I think this card's going to spawn new archetypes, slots into old archetypes. It, it, it makes you decide, like, am I going to play Monoid? Am I going to splash red? Am I going to now, like, this card's really good with Yorion. Like, you, you actually mm -hmm. actively want Yorion in your deck with this bad boy. So, yep. I don't know. The, 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 the decision points are kind of infinite, which is a weird place to be, because I'm excited that I get to do all this brewing, but I'm also kind of sad of, like, hey, I figured out like that this was the best way to do that. And now, and now that's been rendered completely yeah. useless. Yeah, I feel you. I've <laughs> been there, than that. Ever try to write an amulet like primer or anything? <laughs> I tried. I was eighty pages in, and then the meta changed, and well, <laughs> Ooh. yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. I gave up immediately. Uh, anyway, moving on to the next card. Um, this one, I feel like it's broken, man, but. I have not seen people as stoked as this as I am, so maybe I am mis-evaluating this, so I really want to hear your thoughts. Dragon's Rage Channeler. One red, one, one, creature, human, shaman. It's an uncommon. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, surveil one. Like that line of stacks, to start with, is it's, it's messed up to me. But wait, there's more. Delirium? As long as there are four or more cards, uh, more card types amongst cards in your graveyard, this thing gets plus two, plus two, has flying, and attacks each combat if able. Mm -hmm. I think this is broken. Am I wrong on thinking that? No, I think so too. I like, and I I say this as someone who has both tried Legacy Delver as well as I played Delver in Standard. Okay, that's when I this dates me a little bit. That's when I like got into FNM. <laughs> I think this card's better than Delver. Dude. Really? Yeah. That bad? I, I mean, obviously, like De Delver is unplayable in modern, and I think this is going to be great. But I mean, it's, please go. It's please go definitely ahead. better than Delver in modern. It's debatable in legacy. The reason that I think it's better in legacy is because it. I mean, I guess you would have to put like weird card types in your deck, like you know, legacy. Usually, you're not going to see stuff like Mishra's Bobble, whereas you see that all over in modern. And maybe this like makes mm -hmm. you do some weird deck building decisions like that that actually do matter. I'm not entirely sure, but I think the fact that that first line of text that whenever you cast a non-creature spell, surveil one is relevant throughout the game. So Delver gets to do a little card advantage on the flip. Right, it does just just mm -hmm. once, right? So you can do weird things with fetch lands, baubles, whatever, ponder, brainstorm, all all the all the tricks. This just does it every time you cast a spell, every single time. So like, yes, you maybe have to put a Mishra's bobble in your deck, but guess what? Now your Mishra's bobble also has surveil one built in on it for some ungodly reason. You you force something, surveil one. You daze something, 
surveil one god damn man like this thing is ridiculous like the more that i think about this is just wow like i honestly do you really need to play mishra's bubble in your deck like this seems fairly easy to enable just off of the surveil one absolutely because I... I mean you're just gonna have instant sorcery land and creature mm-hmm. like you're that's that seems Done. easy enough for me to do yeah. right when you're surveilling, if you're you're probably going to be surveilling like between two and three times a turn mm-hmm. in Legacy, right? You play this on turn one, you force your opponent's thing, surveil, you untap, you brainstorm, surveil, you ponder, surveil, you daze something, surveil again. Yeah. Like the, you're just going to surveil like between two and three times a turn, every single turn. Yeah. And then the surveil, of course, feeds not only this thing's ability... And it grows it into a 3-3 flyer, but it also means that you literally never, ever run out of gas. Ever. Mm-hmm. You never run out of gas. Yeah, even if you're not casting that cantrip, your counter spell still sets up the top of your deck. This thing seems ridiculous. To me. I mean, it's not... I guess Delver can be pitched to force, which is obviously a huge thing. And I'm not advocating playing it over Delver, but th- th- this card is... It it in my opinion this might be the most efficient one mana threat we've ever seen. Men- better than Swift Spear, you think? I mean, <laughs> I, it, it, at least in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's in the ballpark. I would, it does different. I, things, I would definitely right? say in the ballpark. Like I honestly, I can see this in modern, in so many different shells too. Like in, mo- I would, I would imagine that like just blue-red uh, blue-red prowess is going to be all over this card, too. Like, it know. seems pretty fairly easy to, to enable there, and a 3-3 flyer, like... Obviously, it's not as good, but, like, this with Lava Dart yeah. is just... <laughs> Surveil, put a dart in the yard. Dart! Put, a, put another dart in the yard! <laughs> like, this thing with Lava Dart seems insane to me. Um, gut shot, mutagenic growth, all of those cards that this that, that deck was playing. Mishra's bubble. Some some versions of prowess were already playing bubble. Um, I also guess in a dedicated shell, right? Like a prowess creature probably gets you more mileage. But the fact that this, I think this card needs it requires less of of your deck than mm-hmm. a card like Swiss Spear does, right? So like Swiss Spear wants you to play stuff proactively. This is fine proactively and reactively. Yeah, like you you can just play this and then like Swift Spear, if you don't play your spells, you know, you, you can flood with a Swift Spear. Like like you just metamorphose into a land. Sad times. <laughs> you know. Uh you metamorphose into a land with this thing, you put it into the graveyard, you draw a real card instead. <laughs> it's Yeah. You like make uh, sure that Stormwind's on top for your Manamorphos. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, this I think this card is just is just insane. Like the more that I think about this card, the, the the better than it just gets in my eyes. So I am expecting this one to become not necessarily in blue red prowess maybe, but you know, like some some red green Arcanist with this guy and like some some other ways to to, to push through damage, uh, like we have so much stuff like that uh, that you know it just those kind of decks are very often just like missing one last piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. 
And this could definitely be like the one piece of the puzzle that an archetype like that one was missing. Uh, also, of course, you know, like you compare this one with Goif, and like it feel it feels your Goif. Uh, like there's just so much stuff that this guy's that this guy just does by being there, you know. Yep. Um, and it works with Luris. And it works with Luris, of course. What what does it work with Luris? <laughs> anyway, next one. Next one. Uh, this one is a really cool one. It's called Ignoble Hierarch. For one green mana, we got a 0-1 creature goblin shaman. It has exalted, and you can tap it to add black, red, or green mana. Mm-hmm. This card's dope, man. This card's really cool. Um, I think that this card does a lot, and I don't entirely know what everything it does is yet, because just how much better Noble Hierarch is than Birds of Paradise, it, it it's a lot. It is really, truly a huge difference, and the fact that this fills in those gaps of like, oh, you needed your Noble to tap for black, you know, and you needed mm-hmm. to... Uh, there, there are some, like, fringe archetypes that, like, you know, this is an obvious slam Duncan. You know, like green black infect was a thing for a while. This lets yep. you play those like turn two uh, Phyrexian Crusaders easier. Um, you know, this is obviously better than birds in Yogmoth. We come back to that deck again, mm-hmm. and I think we probably come back there again later because that deck's gotten a lot in this set. <laughs> yeah, Yogmoth really, really gets a nice little boost. Um, yeah, I don't. Th- th- this card does a ton, and I think that there may even be decks that. You just play eight hierarchs, and you're like, "Hey, I like, I got a whole bunch of these dorks, and all they of the buff each other." <laughs> yep, all of the exalted. Um, how much do you think that this is gonna help a deck like Jund? Good That's an Boomer interesting Jund. question. Um, I am of the opinion that Boomer Jund wouldn't want a mana dork. That's uh, just like not what their game plan is about. Um, you know, they're not really trying to ramp to things. I guess, like, turn two Lily would be pretty good. But if you're, like, trying to ramp to Bloodbraid, which is probably your best ramp card, you then have a risk yeah. of hitting a Hierarch off of your Bloodbraid, which is, like, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe there's a way to build Jund that you would actually want this. I, I don't think it's going to be, like, ye old Boomer Jund wanting Ignoble Hierarch. But what, what do you think? Uh, I think that it is potentially a thing, but I don't think that it's going to see that as much play in a deck like Boomer John specifically. I think that we can see John becoming straight up a Lurus deck. Because yeah. I think that going turn one this thing, and then like, you know, doing like Inquisition plus, plus Goif, or Inquisition plus Rain on turn two, and then like, Lurus of course is obviously is busted, and Lurus can do a lot when you give it more mana. So just Lurus being in... Like, the, the whole thing about Jund is that you want to be a resource denial deck, right? So once you make it to four mana in Jund, like, the best thing that you can do is activate a Raging Ravine, <laughs> which is not the most powerful thing to be doing with five mana in the format. Um, but if you have Lurus and you're drawing two cards a turn or, you know, potentially even more, if you have Ren and Six going on, uh, then the extra mana becomes a lot more enticing. Mm-hmm. 
also this can buff uh, like if you're playing like a pseudo mirror this can this makes it so your tarmogoyers are always gonna they just have good attacks now yeah absolutely. which is which is pretty which is pretty sick I may also mention <laughs> that you know we just went on and on about uh imperial recruiter imperial recruiter costs red and it's good in these creature toolbox decks and with mana it's like these Convenient. cards play very nicely together dude Imperial Recruiter gets both parts of the the Goblin combo too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Noble Hierarch, and then you can get Goblin Splinter Twin. <laughs> I mean, there's also a Goblin. Am I, am I just going? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, am I am I just going to am I just going to deep here? <laughs> but yeah, but this this thing seems insane in the Goblin deck too. That's interesting. I think. It'll make goblins sort of reevaluate how they look because right right now they're not set up to, to tap for green. But I actually think they are well, like, sorely missing a turn one play outside of Aether Vial. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like they, they were some of the lists were playing the Groom Golly already, right? Like that's the the one in the green, one green red three three, and then like creatures enter the battlefield with a plus one counter. Yeah, and you you go infinite with Putrin, and so you, they they can already probably accommodate that like it, it is a turn one play on 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 green but like what are they using their men on turn one anyways if they're not playing a vial or, or this right like if people were playing scare prospector that's how desperate they were for yeah uh, i mean for one is not a bad card it just it's not it's not as easy to use as this is and, and goblins is very mana hungry in in any of the versions yeah. that exist so i i think even like the more traditional like red black ones that kind of came out on top, I think that they they probably should reevaluate and decide you know how do we fit this card because you know having that consistency of I always have turn one vial or turn one Doric that's a that's huge. No, and and it's a big part of why the the goblin deck uh, never really took off, right? Is the fact that sometimes it's just well they had a push from my snoop on turn two and there he goes. Like I just fell too far behind, and there's nothing I can do. Well, this this means that your opponent will need to answer. You know, use the removal spell on their hierarch, or they're gonna be threatened by you going turn two matron or like turn two uh, in war chief or whatever. And then like you're really putting them on the back foot. So I feel like goblins getting ahead on mana is is such a big deal. Like in legacy, what they do instead of getting ahead on mana, what they do is they put you back on mana with with wasteland and ports, but you can't do this here. So the, be the the best thing that you can do, I guess, is to just get ahead of mana yourself. And this thing does exactly that. Uh, I think that this one's gonna be a staple. Also, we're gonna we that we didn't really talk about this yet, but there are a bunch of uh, cards that were printed for a tribal deck. Uh, tribal, as in like domain, you know, like tribal flames. Yeah. Um, and this guy seems like it could be really, really good in that shell as well. Um, we're going to talk about that soon enough, though. But yeah, super, super excited about the Noble Hierarch. Uh, not so excited about this next one, though, uh, which I also think it's going to be <laughs> a staple, very likely. Obsidian Charmo, 3 red red for a 4-4 four, four flyer dragon. This creature costs one less to cast for each land your opponents control that could produce colorless mana. Mm -hmm. When Obsidian Charmo enters the battlefield, destroy target non-basic land and opponents uh, opponent controls. 
I love this card. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, the obvious hate deck, I guess, for this is Tron, right? You like, you, you get Tron with it. Um, I guess it does things against your, your precious amulet. You don't play that many oh, yeah. lands, though. Do well... You? Uh, remember when we talked about Ursa Saga? <laughs> that doesn't help this. Uh, and then you have a Cavern of Souls, which we are, you know, we're gonna want to play more because of Counterspell. And there's like this Slayer Stronghold and stuff like that. Radiant Fountain, Crumbling Vestige. All of those cards feed the Charmel. Uh, but, you know, one thing that it's which is what they always tell you about Tron, right? Like, yes, you can disrupt their mana, but you need to kill them, right? Because Tron is going to assemble Tron again. Like, you destroy their land this turn, good for you, they're just going to steal them scrying, and they're going to get Tron again next turn. Can you beat that? Well, what this guy does as a 4-4 flyer is <laughs> it really kills them. <laughs> this guy is not messing around, man. It pressures them. A 4-4 flyer is... I mean, we talked about a 3-power flyer earlier. So this guy gets the job done, and it's going to cost you, you know, probably 3 mana a lot of the time. So you you got a stone rain with a 4-4 flyer attached to it. I imagine that against strong, this is going to be 3 mana or less 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous, dude. (laughs) Obligatory like, uh, shout-out here to Ephemerate as well. Just put that one out there. <laughs> You're filthy. You're filthy. Um, yeah. Um, they they don't make them like they used to. Well, joke's on you. They do. Uh, God damn it. This is a hate card, man. It's This card's really cool. I, I, I like, like it a lot. We talk about... Last week, we, um, Void Snare was spoiled right after we, as we were doing the, the podcast. Void Mirror, sorry. Uh, Void Mirror was spoiled as we were doing the podcast, and, you know, we, we discussed it about it. We talked about it for a little bit. Um, we definitely, I definitely overvalued the card by a lot. The more that I thought about it, the, the worse that I thought that it, that it was. Um, this one, the, I, they spoiled it last week. After we record the cast, uh, the more that I look at it, the better that it gets. So, like, the other one <laughs> is hate that looks that it, like it's very, very good, but in practice, it probably won't be as good. This one is hate that is very, very good, and in practice, it will be even better. <laughs> also, uh, you would have both if you want to. Just gonna put that one yeah, of course, of oh. course. But like, if you have this one, why do you even want the other card anyway? Just, the just... fact that this is, the fact that this is a four-four man. Let's say that your opponent somehow managed to sneak in a thought knot here. Mm-hmm. Like this trades with that. Like you blow up their land and you trade with their thought knot. You throw a card. Let's say that they didn't do that and they managed to sneak in a card. Well, now you kill the card. They can't block it. Like this card is it's insane, dude. Is it is this card main deckable for anybody? Is that a thing? I think so. I think that Ponsa's gonna main deck this. Yeah, I think so too. Like not probably maybe like a two of or something. I would imagine that they would play two of if I were playing Ponsa, I would play two of this in the main deck and two more in the sideboard. Like I would I would take it that far. 
I would take it that far. Just two in the main deck is going to be good in in a decent plus amount of the matchups. When it's bad, you just cut it. Like if you get paired against Mono Red Prowess, obviously this, this thing is going to be the first thing to, to go. But then you get paired against any other deck. Like, like it, you get paired against Strong, you get paired against Amulet, you get paired... Honestly, like even against something like Control. Like, let's say that you're just paying five mana for this thing. Are you even that upset? Not really. Like, here's like, a huge threat. Kill your land. is That's, like, good against control. Especially if you're ramping yourself off Arbor Elves or whatever. That's exactly my point. It's like, I, I would... If I had four... If I do me my cyber that I'm playing against control, I am, I'm bringing these bad boys in. <laughs> Forget about it, dude. Like, this card is messed up to me. Like, the, the more that I look at it, the more I'm like, yep, this is... It's gonna be one of the one of the big ones from from the set. Like we're gonna be playing this card for for years from now. I, I like this one a lot. I really do. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next, and this this one is very near and dear to my heart. Um, Yavi Maya, La Cuna del Crecimiento. No, it's actually in Spanish. It's cra- Cradle of Growth. The, the apparently whoever whoever. Oh, actually it was a. I think it was Matias Leverato who, who spoiled this, who's an actual Argentinian player. Um, anyway, <laughs> Yavin Maya, Cradle of Growth, Legendary Land. Each land is a forest in addition to its other types. This card's so literally basic, made for you. <laughs> literally. This is Argentinian. There you go. <laughs> exactly. It, 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 they should have sent it. Maybe they, they meant to send it to me, and they confused Matias with me. That 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 makes a lot of sense, actually. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's okay, Watsi. I'm not upset. It's it's fine. Um, this card seems very very good to me. Um, excited things uh, with this card. Um, I am excited about having a bunch of colorless lands and a and a, a castle Garenbrig, and then tapping those colorless lands for green mana to activate castle. Thanks to the Yavimaya. I'm excited about that. I am very, very excited about having this in play and sacrificing the Flagstones to to uh, Knight of the Reliquary. Oh, yeah. I cannot explain how excited I am, I am about that. I'm excited about that one, too. That, that, that's like the one overlap we've got in our strategy. It's like Knight <laughs> of the Reliquary. <laughs> Dude, that... This doesn't mess around. Like this, I feel like every night deck is gonna be jamming at least one copy of this. It's it just seems silly. like it just seems like the the cost is so low. And the upside is potentially so high. The only downside that it has is that you know you do want in amulet specifically, for example, you do want to have access to basic to actual basic forests, because you know, the bane of your existence is, is blood moon. Right, so um, this is not particularly great against Blood Moon, um, but yeah, this this card seems very very good. This card seems very very good. It's going to make um, it's just going to make so many things so much simpler, you know. B- barring barring the synergies that I was pointing out right there, it's just going to make your mana so much easier out of so many decks that struggle with their mana. Like it's it, it just <laughs> like once again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like that deck plays Urborg already because it has such steep mana requirements. Now you can play one Urborg, one Yabimaya, and it's almost free. And it just does so much. It just does wonders for your mana situation. Like all of your lands turning into values is just 
It's just exactly what that deck wants. I I think this card's really, really good. My my only gripe with it is like the what is it, like the Jurassic Park gripe of like, you know, they didn't stop to think if they should do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I mean, I'm not. I'm, I don't think that this is going to be problematic or anything. Uh, no, I don't now, think it's problematic. I just, I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of certain cards not necessarily being part of like a a full color cycle. Like, not every color needs an equivalent of Horizon Canopy, in my opinion. But here yeah. we are. And I, I you know, I, I think there was a Forsyth tweet about how we are not getting the other color versions of this, um, at least not in modern, but. I certainly I mean, hope that that's true. <laughs> you definitely cannot have the mountains one. Mm -hmm. So the Forsyth tweet... Because then you, you have to you have right. to ban Balakut. Right, so it had Balagut, and then the other cards he posted were Boil and uh, the one that destroys planes of Flashfire, I think. Flashfires. Uh, so you, you uh, slam one of those, and then I guess they Flashfire you or something. Well, I mean, in a situation like that, you can just like set it up yourself, right? Look, you can be playing, you can be playing a bunch of indestructible lands, and then you play, you know, make make everything an island, and then you just boil them, right? Right. I, I know that Ice Nine is gonna be is, would be all over that. <laughs> I can guarantee it. I can guarantee that that would that would happen. But yeah, this this I I'm I'm very excited about to about this card, and I feel like what it has is I feel like it's just gonna have so many so many little upsides that we haven't really thought of that just by putting this card in your deck and just like playing your matches, and then you're gonna be like, oh, damn, yeah, I can do that thing now. <laughs> so um, this it feels like it's gonna be that kind of that kind of land. This is gonna be obviously just a one-off, but it feels like most land style decks are gonna be just playing this as a one-off. Yeah, definitely gonna be gonna be a, a staple in modern. Okay, this is probably one of the most hyped cars in the entire set. The one that we have right ahead of us. And I feel like we're gonna have a discussion here. Despite I'm excited because I'm hoping you can uh, you can inform me because I don't I don't get right. this one. Ragavan Nimble Pierfer, you read it for me, please. Okay, I gotta I gotta pull this bad boy up. Ragavan Nimble Pilfer costs red. It is a two-one legendary creature. It is a monkey pirate, which just. Just pause there. That is so cool. All right, like I'm very happy that they're printing a monkey pirate. And this is—is is, is this not the pirate from from Kari yeah. Zev? Is it the it same? It is exactly. It's exactly. That's this. so awesome. Okay. That's why it's a. That's why it's a two-one. Right. Right. Okay. Any, I'll I'll continue. <laughs> so when uh, Ragavan Nimble Pilfer deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library. Until end of turn, you may cast that card. It also has dash for one and a red. I think this is probably the most the most powerful card in the set. Do you really not agree? I okay. So let me uh, let me let me explain where I'm coming at for for this one. I just read an article earlier. I think it was Todd Anderson who who said that this was like the new Deathrite Shaman. 
Well, I mean, and, obviously, and, and that's obviously like you know that's probably the best creature ever made. Um, yeah. So I mean, that gives you some context, even if there's hyperbole there that he's saying this thing is the realest of real deals. And he, he he made some good points, and I feel like I understood a little bit better. Usually, if you have a card like this, there's some kind of drawback, right? So you have like Jackal Pup, right? You've got oh, yeah. Goblin Guide, um, Goblin Guide giving your opponent you know, extra card advantage, potentially. Um, and and this doesn't... There's just not a drawback on this card. It's just, I mean, its drawback is that it's legendary, I guess. Um, that's the only drawback. But to me, I don't entirely get why everyone is losing their minds about a... It, it's a one-mana, two-one. I've cast a lot of, you know, Isamaras in my day, and this is definitely better than that. Um, and I, I'm not going for the, like, uh, but it dies to dart format, because that, like, pretty much every creature we've talked about is like, uh, it dies to dart, though. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you can help to explain to me, like, what kind of deck wants this? Like, where is this really doing its thing that you're excited about, like, taking their cards, that that treasure is actually relevant? Because it, it, it doesn't seem to me on face value, like, oh, I want to play this in Burn. I want to play this in Prowess. Well, the way that I see this is you play this on turn one and your opponent has a window of exactly one turn to do anything or they will lose to it straight up. Um, because not only do you're getting... Not only you're getting... You're getting in for, for a couple of points of damage. Like, that's... Honestly, that's the most irrelevant part about, about this, in my opinion. But you are not only getting card advantage at one mana, which is ridiculous, card advantage at one mana, besides Ancestral, does it exist anywhere else? Is there any other card in the history of the game that gives you actual card advantage for one mana? I I am yeah. really struggling to think about it right now. Yeah. Like, now, Raven not Inspector. only... <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> Uh, you're really funny. Um, not only that, it also gives you a mana advantage. And not only it gives you a mana advantage, like you kill this, the mana advantage that this accrued, it's still there. Like, let's say that you have no use for the mana in this turn, and they kill your Ragavan. Well, you're playing it, if you're playing this in John for, for or whatever, like, you got it, you got an attack in, let's say that you didn't flip anything good. Like, you flip the land, you cannot play lands off of this. That, that's, that's, that's the important part. You flip the land off of this, so you didn't get value there. You're playing a Blood Raid on turn 3 anyway. Even if they untap and they kill your Ragavan. Yeah. Well, that's true. You do get... And, and, and that is yeah. if you're not playing Iliana on turn 2. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I don't know. To me, that doesn't really seem like... I guess the, the treasure is quite good. Um, and it's got to be that first, that like very early turn window. But to me, it seems like you've got to be on the play even to make this happen. Like modern is so full of if they're not darting, bolting, pushing, whatever your ragavan, your opponent's gonna play any creature, and this thing dies to anything, right? Like you, you're not attacking through my Thalia. I might, I might, I guess I would trade my Giver of Runes. Like that's fine. Like. I guess it attacks through your noble hierarchs, <laughs> but yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't attack through most any creature, and it well, only 
gives you that thing if it if it hits them. So it's like maybe late game you could like dash it to do that and like so out of nowhere you just all of a sudden you know you have a bunch of mana you you need to get that card so you top deck this bam maybe i stole your you know your liliana and all of a sudden like that that's huge i i do see that um yeah i mean that's definitely a a massive part of, of the upside but what i'm envisioning is you go you play this on turn one and then on turn two, you just end tap with all of your mana. And if your opponent doesn't have exactly a removal spell for this, the game is over. Because you you're you're just using your removal to make sure that your opponent uh, doesn't get any doesn't get any traction. They cannot stabilize the board. And you're getting more and more mana every single turn. This is even completely discounting the fact that maybe you have some like artifact synergies or whatever. Like ignoring the fact that there's also that aspect of it, just on face value, you're just getting more and more value every single turn, and eventually you're just gonna exile one card from their deck that is actually good. And when you do, <laughs> like, I mean, you're gonna be able to cast it, um, and like you're very likely gonna win, like. I, I just cannot understand how the the only thing that it asks of you is to have one red mana. Like, that price tag seems completely unreasonable to me. I mean, it is... It's interesting because they, they tried to make a drawback here by making it legendary, but it is such a lightning rod that you don't really care. Right? No, exactly. Exactly. 100%. Uh, so I, I I can see it being good. I I maybe still, I I maybe I'm just gonna have to play against the thing to understand like how much of a deal this is. Maybe it's kind of the way you're describing it. It almost seems kind of like Delvery to me. Of like I was thinking, I was thinking more of like Goblin Lucky. Okay. Right. Mm. You play. You go turn one Lucky, and you have no answer to the Lucky. Well, you you lost. Like the the amount of card and like card advantage and. Uh, the, the mana advantage that Lucky gives you is just too much for most decks to be able to recover from. Hmm. And I feel like this is exactly the same thing, except that it doesn't require you to have a to have a ring leader in hand or whatever. Or like a Moxus, you know, obviously. Um but that that is the way that I'm seeing this card. Interesting. I guess it's just like you answer it or you figure out some way to stop this, or like if this ever connects you are like your chances of winning the game went to like zero point five percent or something like that. I'm obviously being it's that being, drastic. I think that I think that that drop is gonna be ridiculous. Huh. I think that I think that you, your the drop is gonna be ridiculous because the further behind that you fall, the less that it matters that you answer the the monkey. Because it's not like your opponent is just going to play the monkey and be like, oh, you killed it. Oh, damn. that's not what's going to happen. They're going to be doing other stuff. Like you either... Yeah, yeah, with their mana. Because it doesn't ask them of anything. Like in in a way, this is sort of like a planeswalker in that it comes down and then as long as you can, you know, free the room for it, it's just going to be doing the thing. Like planeswalkers require you to, to remove the creature so it doesn't get attacked. And this thing asks you to remove the blocker so you, that you can accrue the value from it. And, and this, is, this just has no downside, man. It, it's all upside. Every single line of text there, everything is upside. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I don't, I don't think the dash is going to be super relevant most of the time, but it's there, and when it is, it'll be nice that it's there. And I think that what the dash does is it makes it a significantly better top deck. Right. You know, what? because of what we were saying about, like, you have a very small window to answer this. Um, like, you, you, they, they, you play this on one, your opponent has, like, a one-turn window to answer it, otherwise it's going to start snowballing. Uh, what the dash does is if your opponent ever lowers their guard in the, in the late game, like, you're making that window a little bit smaller because, like, your opponent can only answer it at instant speed uh, on their turn, or they just cannot attack. Very often, it would not surprise me if you're playing against a Ragavan deck and you're like, I should not attack with this creature. Because if my opponent top decks Ragavan, they, they can actually get back into the game. Meaning that you're attacking them less, meaning that you're killing them slower, meaning that you're giving them time to find into the other... You know, like, all of, and yeah. all of these things. For a one-mana card, dude. Yeah. All okay. of these things for one mana. I still... I still don't see it as, like, busted. I, I see it as good, um, but I, I'm sure, you know, I'm going to get hit with it, and then maybe I'll just lose the game like you're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that this is the best card in the set, at least for what I've seen. Uh, and, like, just an objectively good card, you know? Like, without needing any, any synergies or anything like that, you know? Just, like, on its face... This card seems ridiculous to me. Like, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. It's also worth noting, again, you know, you can do Luris with this, so maybe that's the yeah. future of Boomer. 100%. You just, 100%. 100%. And speaking of busted, busted, and potentially the best card in the set... Um, I, I, can, I can take this next one. You, you, you should take this one. <laughs> so, we got the white elemental incarnation on our list. It is Solitude. It is three white white, flash lifelink. It's a three two, and when it enters the battlefield, exile up to one target creature. That creature's controller gains life equal to its power, and it's got the classic incarnation evoke cause, uh, clause where you exile a white card from your hand. In this case, white because it's the white incarnation. So it's it's plow incarnation, right? Um, that's what that's what the text is. It's also just three two flash lifelink, which is not you know five mana for that is not insane or anything, but lifelink is is pretty powerful. Um, the fact that it's flash is pretty powerful. I'm really really excited about this card. I think I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about uh, uh, Imperial Recruiter because now I don't have to play paths with my Leonin Arbiter and like give you mana advantage in my taxes deck. Never again. <laughs> Um, how do you feel about the name Force to Plowshares? Is that is is that is that gonna pass the test of time? You think or not really? I kind of don't think so. I feel like <laughs> none of the like Force to whatevers for these things are like <laughs> sticking with anybody. I, I don't know. I I'm fine with Force to Plow. Like that that's that's what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I, I this this card will see play outside of a deck like Taxes. I I, I don't see it in a deck like Control really because you don't have that many off-color cards. So, like, if you're blue-white control, you just don't have that many white cards. It is worth noting, though, and this is really interesting, because I don't know how the math is supposed to look, you don't need the same number of white cards for this as you would for, like, the blue one, or for Force of Will, or, or Force of Negation. And the reason is 
because this answers a card in play. Okay, force, force of will. Let's just use that one because it's the most iconic. Iconic, yeah. You have to answer the card on the stack, which means that if you have it in your hand, you don't have a blue card. It is dead. That's not the case with this. If yeah. your creature resolves and then I draw the white card next turn, it's fine. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking about uh, when we discussed uh, subtlety earlier, right? Like the, the fact that the timing is a lot more forgiven, right? The timing of this card is a lot more forgiven because at any point, not only at any point, whenever it's the best for you, mm -hmm. you get to do this. Like your opponent sets out a double block, like you're tapped out, your opponent attacks foolishly into your double block, right? You double block, opponent uses a combat trick. Well, you know what? Let's go yeah. to the next game. Here's here's solitude to to blow you out. Um, and, and this thing, it's it's there's so much about this that matters so much. Like we've talked about the other ones, like, oh, you can do this with Thalia. This one actually matters that you can do it with Thalia. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, get text. For legacy, not in modern, but the white recruiter actually grabs this, which is a huge deal. Ooh, yeah, I hadn't thought um, about that. Whew. Yeah, so it's it's maybe a good thing that they didn't give us the white one with, with the stats the way they are here, because yep. I would be doing that a lot. <laughs> I also um, think this one is actually pretty good with ephemerate. It's not like a grief where you want to do it on turn one, but like you know, let's say it's turn two, maybe three, and your opponent's like, all right, I've got a Ragavan and a Goyf and a whatever. And you're just like, all right, uh, Solitude, Ephemerate Solitude, Exile gain, three things. Like, gain seven, I guess. <laughs> gain, yeah, gain a bunch of life. And then here I have a three, two lifelinker also. Like, yeah. why not? Also, this combined with Soul Herder, it, it's just... It's just unreasonable, man. Like already it cleans up all those soul, tokens. Soul, it cleans exactly. up all the tokens from from apparition. That's what I was gonna say. Like apparition plus soul herder just gets awkward at, at some point, right? Because like it gets to a point where you exile all of their dudes, but they're left with a bunch of tokens. This guy doesn't care. <laughs> this guy doesn't care at all. All it of also, those tokens out of here. It answers Emrakul, which is weird. That's insane. Like only thing I hadn't thought that, about that. Yeah, the only one that I can think of. You like through the breach, pay zero mana, no emerald. <laughs> wow, dude. That that okay? That just blew my mind. I have not thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, spaghetti, mom. <laughs> wow, dude. That's insane. All right, I guess that's the thing now. Nice bridge <laughs> deck. Did I miss anything with, with Solitude there? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, this is probably the best in the cycle, I would say. This would card's you, really good. I, I don't know if I think, think it's the absolute best. I think Grief has the ability yeah, to I guess be grief. Yeah. more powerful, but th this card is just... It, it, any deck that plays this is, is going to be solid. I think that this card can go into more decks than Grief can go into as well. Yeah. So it's, it's also, a more... I, I guess that Grief is more proactive while this is more reactive, right? I was just going to say it's good with, with you know, your Yorion stuff too. Like, you can literally, like, desperate moment, you put, pay three mana, put Yorion in my hand, pitch Yorion. <laughs> 
which you know that's not gonna <laughs> you, you don't want to be doing that but but you can and that that matters and, and and being able to to yori on this like maybe you have a planeswalker and i ate a previous planeswalker with my um with my apparition now you play yori on apparition gets the new one this eats the token like hmm. it, it just it, it doesn't you don't have to work very hard to make this card very very good yeah yeah okay i'm sold i'm sold <laughs> It's even better than I thought. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's good. Um, I'm ready for the next white. The, Go. We're on Go. the white playable section here. Yeah, yeah apparently <laughs> they, it just lined up that way, but it works. Let's go. I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, so the next one we have is Esper Sentinel, and I I'm just gonna preface this real quick with I am very excited about Esper Sentinel. Like, I, I know you probably were like, eh, Esper Sentinel. <laughs> Whatever, but... dude. Whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also heard a great nickname for this card. People were calling it Ristic Buddy. So Esper Sentinel costs white. It is a artifact creature. It's a human soldier. And all of those things I just said matter. Okay. Yep. Um, whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, draw a card unless that pair that player pays x where x is esper sentinel's power and it's just a one one okay it is mm -hmm. just a one one and you know we've this whole time we've just had lava dart looming over our heads and you know like looming intensifies but uh <laughs> the card th this card i think is so good in the decks that want it because even even if your opponent lava darts it even you go turn one Esper Sentinel, they lava dart it, you draw a card. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like, the, its base level is that you drew a card. And if they're going to not draw a card, it is doing what Thalia does, which is it makes your removal spell trade in an inefficient way, mana-wise, right? So Thalia usually, you know, you go to Bolt Thalia, you have to pay two, so you traded equally, mana-wise, right? I pay two for Thalia, you pay two for Bolt. If you're going to make your Bolt not draw me a card, your bolt costs two, my Esper Sentinel costs one. Th th this thing, th the fact that it is a human means that it can get buffed in those human decks. You get Dahlia's Lieutenant. In Taxes decks, you're going to put swords on it, so it's gonna you're going to have to pay even more. Um, the fact that it's an artifact, I actually think you might want to play this in Hammer because the artifact count actually matters for pure Steel Paladin, and it means that you just don't run out of gas as they have to interact with you. And guess what? If I put a hammer on this, you are never paying that. Ever. <laughs> Always showing a card. Also, it combos nicely with Lurus. Yeah. yeah. Gets, you can get it back with Lurus. <laughs> so this, this is, that's been like the evergreen tweet. Finally, something to that helps buff Lurus. No. Yeah, every, everything that the pretty much everything just works with Lurus. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is card there is anything a, you're excited about with this the, card? This this is a lot better than I was originally expecting. Like, because obviously, like you know, I am a lot better at imagining and evaluating cards that I often you know play with and that I often find myself in the situation of of playing with. So, Thalia, for example, for me. It's just bad, because I never lose to Ethalia. <laughs> Ethalia doesn't tax Primeval Titan. It's unplayable. Um, but yeah, of course, whenever you're talking about, you know, taxing non-creature spells, well, I mean, most decks play non-creature spells. <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah, this card is a lot better. Like, I was expecting, oh, your opponent's just, you know, I was thinking, your opponent will just kill it and move on. Or they will just not care about this. But it seems really hard to not care about this. No, like, that's can't. a lot of cards that you would draw if you want to ignore this. Like, like I, I don't think you can do that. To not care about it. Like, if, if you're playing a deck that cares about casting its spells, it's going to be just like Thalia, where you're like, okay, I just have to remove this so I can keep playing my game. And if mm -hmm. you're paying the full mana, that's great for me. And if you're letting me draw a card, that's great for me. And if mm -hmm. I draw if I draw two cards off of this, it's the game is over. Like it, it's just over. Dude, like so. one mana gets you so much these days. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, we're talking about uh Ragavan. Ragavan, exactly. <laughs> like one mana just gets you so much, man. It's, it's also, insane. Like, if you think about the sequencing with this guy, like can you imagine if you're trying to play, like, you know, the best control deck in the format probably won't be the same one in a minute here after this set, but at, at the time of this podcast, control, the, the yeah. best is Esper Control. Mm -hmm. If I go turn one Esper Sentinel, turn two Thalia, like, what are you doing? Like, how, how are you playing the game in a profitable way at all? Yeah, I mean, they probably just have to push the Sentinel for one mana and you just get to draw a card for free right and that's then just I, and what then they have don't to have do. the push for thalia like that that's yeah exactly like the, the squeeze nuts. man the squeeze is insane um yeah yeah i'm, the, I'm really really excited about this one also because it works in yorion shells which were sorely missing another one drop so you just slam four of this in there and now you always have your turn one play yeah also great with vial i imagine right like those oh, those yeah. decks you know you're never violating with anything on one. Now you're actually violating something really impactful. Yeah, the, this this card looks looks super sweet. Um, yeah, pumped. The next, next one. one, yeah, the next one I was, I I, I threw it in there because I think that this card is going to do something. I don't know what that something is going to do. I don't know if that something that's going to do is going to be happening like now. I don't know if it's going to happen in five years. I have no idea. Uh, but this is just too interesting to not point out. And that is Master of Death. One blue and a black, a 3-1 creature zombie wizard. Um, good good uh, creature types, by the way. When you enter the battlefield, you surveil two. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, if this is in your graveyard, you may pay one life. If you do, you return it to your hand. So it's basically the squeak loss, the original squeak. Uh, not... Not the bad squee, the bad squee that doesn't die, no, no. The, the, the one that actually gives you real <laughs> card advantage, that you can turn into cards. Um, and that kind of card is obviously great when you have an engine like Survival of the Fittest. Um, that's obviously a vintage uh, thing. Um, and this is what I was thinking when I was looking at this card. This is uh, when you're thinking about vintage and like Bazaar decks, uh, beat Survival, beat Dredge. Uh, even for something like Dredge, this is like a squee that gives you card advantage, um, but you basically get a blue card for to pitch to force at any given point whenever you want, which I think it's a huge deal. So like this card seems insane in those formats, um, but once we get to Legacy and Modern, it becomes a little bit more... Um, how can I say it? More, it's a little bit more blurred because there's no like really obvious place to go. So obviously you want to abuse this kind of effect whenever you have any way to turn cards into into an actual advantage. You know, you don't care about which cards you have. 
Um, so like this card would be insane if Faithless Looting was still legal. It isn't, thankfully. Um, I don't know if there's any card... I, I'm obviously thinking about Survival because, you know, it's a green card. Uh, we have Sh Fauna Shaman. Unfortunately, it's, it's a big difference, but like this card, I don't have a shell for it. I just don't. But this is, just by being printed, this is a card that I'm going to be on the lookout for. So that's why I wanted to, to point it out real quick, because this effect, there's a reason why we haven't seen it in decades. <laughs> like, basically <laughs> since Squee. So uh, there's a reason why that happens. And, like, this is powerful. Like, th there, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we do have a shell for this. And, and that shell is very good. So... Again, 100%. I don't have anything. I don't have any any deck list for you to be like, yo, this is busted here. But <laughs> I would say be on the lookout because I know that I will be on the lookout. Yeah, I, I think you can do like, you know, generic against the odds zombie deck something, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> and they they do play well together. So you, you you can surveil future ones into the graveyard and then return them for free, right? Hmm. So. It, it's not a bad card just like for that kind of deck. I don't think it's busted in that same vein of what you're talking about though of like bizarre get it back force like yeah. that that that's actually busted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh but but yeah, of course, you know, that's that's what we we I wanted to point out a bunch the, the bunch of cards that I'm like this is really cool. I don't have a shell for it. There probably isn't a shell right now. But there might be a shell for this like five years down the line. Like I just I just don't know. But we're we're gonna see. So you know, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. And uh, speaking of, uh, where we have another planeswalker that is very interesting to me that I wanted to to discuss. Um, it's it's named Gaia Drone Dihada. It's one and then blue, black, red. So Grixis mana and a colorless. For a 4 Loyalty Planeswalker, protection from permanence with corruption counters on them. So you're going to think, what the hell is a corruption counter? Well, line number 1 says, plus 1, each opponent loses 2 life and you gain 2 life. Put a corruption counter on up to 1 other target creature or Planeswalker. Aha! So, again, it protects itself with the plus. Okay? Yep. Uh, minus three, gain control of target creature or planeswalker until end of turn. Untap it and put a corruption counter on it. It gains haste until end of turn. Minus seven, gain control of each permanent with a corruption counter on it. Couple of things to talk about this one. Number one, life gain in Grixis is a big deal. This is not something that I that I say because uh, I never play Grixis, but I heard people saying that that's a big deal. So I, I'm just repeating, just so I can, so I'm just putting the information through. But the ability seems really good to me. Like you basically plus one, and you're slowly but surely limiting the chances that your opponent has to interact with this period. That seems really strong to me. And then you yeah. minus three, and you just like steal something. And, I mean, it also, you put a Corruption Counter on it with the same ability. So, like, if your opponent goes turn 3 Karn and they resolve it for whatever reason, you can, like, play this if you untap, you minus on their Karn, you steal it, you take their land, 
and then even if they get back their land, th their car, like you, you can kill itself, obviously, or you can kill their land, and if that's better for you, and then the car can't touch this because it already has a corruption color on it. Like that's interesting. This, yeah, this wow. these are some pretty interesting play patterns, um, that are not so clear cut. You know, like th th there's some other ways that this card is going to to be playing out in practice. It's worth noting that it having protection from permits with corruption on them, right? So that means that you're incentivizing those creatures to attack you instead, right? Mm -hmm. But then the plus gains you life. So mm -hmm. it means that it's trying to make it hard for those creatures to really do anything. I mean, it, it's not it's not a full-on like bubble like uh, Gideon of the Trials or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it also lasts beyond that turn. So, you know, like, if they yeah. kill your your Dihada and you've put a bunch of corruption counters, a top deck new one on a full board doesn't instantly die. And I, I think that actually matters quite a bit. No, for sure. And, and it just makes it harder and harder for your opponent to interact with it, too. Like, you play it, and then you plus on that thing, then you plus on the other thing, then you plus on the other thing. Your opponent have a bunch of creatures, but they can't touch this Planeswalker that is plusing and plusing and plusing, and when it gets to minus 7, it's going to just steal all your stuff. Like, that's yeah. uh, <laughs> that's that seems pretty good to me. That seems pretty good to me. I wonder how this creature is going to play out, because, you know, usually when, when we see Grixis decks... The planeswalkers that those decks have are, you know, chase the sculptor. Obviously, that's that's the that's the place to go. And one of the big deals of why we have seen Esper or Blue White over something like Grixis is that Grixis never had a good planeswalker. Like Grixis had Jace, and that's it. That's the only thing that it had. So now that we have another four mana, actively quite good planeswalker. It really makes me wonder whether people will, you know, just have another pretty good incentive to, to be messing around with, with, with Grixis scholars again. I don't know if this is quite on that same level as Jace. Like, I have a hard time thinking of a situation where I would play the first Dihada before the fourth Jace or something. I mean, it's uh, I there's no see, card advantage, right? I would, see, I would see the... Be, over the fourth, I probably wouldn't see it over the second or even over the third. I could see it. I could see it over the fourth, Jace. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it is true what you're saying, though. Like this is like a board control planeswalker, while Jace is a card advantage accruing planeswalker. You know, mm -hmm. so in that sense, they kind of work differently in a. Um, just by design, right? Like the the way that these these are gonna work are just gonna be vastly different. Um, yeah. Like this is like as you were you were saying Gideon earlier, and that's that actually makes a lot of sense. Like Gideon is precisely a board control planeswalker, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting. Like it, it's definitely interesting. Like this is not like any other planeswalker that we we have seen before, really. Certainly not in those colors. You know, Gideon's mono white, and yeah. we're comparing a Grixis Planeswalker to a mono white one. Like, yeah, what? exactly. <laughs> exactly, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that this is interesting, uh, interesting enough to see play, and people are going to be excited to to maybe jam uh, once again seven mana sorceries. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> 
I'm I'm excited to hear you talk about this next one. Uh, so we're going to be moving on yeah. to the green elemental incarnation. And, I, you know, I, I think you're going to have more to say, so I'm just going to read it, and then you can take it away. So this is Endurance, and it is green, green, one, elemental incarnation, flash, reach, it's a three, four. And when it enters the battlefield, up to one target player puts all the cards from their graveyard on the bottom of their library in a random order, and, of course, it's got evoke for a green card. All right. Um, it's weird. Like, this card is definitely the weirdest one of the cycle. But now that I see it, this is the perfect card that I didn't know I needed so much. <laughs> if, if I may put it somehow. So, um, 3 mana, 3, 4, flash. Not bad. Reach, not bad. Reach is right now the most relevant that it has been since the keyword was first presented, like 20 <laughs> years ago or something. Yeah. Like, Reach, being able to block Flyer is incredible. Um, your opponent has a Vendillion click. <laughs> they don't anymore. Never again. <laughs> they don't anymore. Remember, remember how I was saying that I would lose to Vendillion click a lot? Well... A deck like Amulet really struggles with flyers. Mantis Rider, for example. Um, Flicker Wisp. God damn, I hate that card so much. <laughs> uh, like, this is really good at slowing those things down. Not only that, but Amulet's absolute worst matchup. I, I, and I think it's fair to say any deck that I like ever, absolute worst matchup <laughs> is Blue Black Mill. If it's if it's amulet, if it's scapeshift, if it's uh, any reclaimer shell, always can never beat mill in a million years. Well, this is actually a card that you can pact for that is not embarrassing to play against those yeah. things. I didn't even think about pact. Wow, like that that's huge. You can pact for this thing at instant speed, you exile the Asus on your hand, and you you get like a fresh new sideboard. Your opponent attempts to surgical you. Well, nope. Got him. Um, wow. Zero mana to do that. Zero that, mana that's to... That's nuts. Zero mana to do that kind of stuff is a huge deal. And pactable, of course. That's that's the, that's the big thing. Um, not only that, but this is... All, it's not only mill hate, but this is also uh, graveyard hate. So, you know, be it like Snapcaster, Pasting Flames uh, from, from Storm. You, you can pact for like a way to answer Storm for zero mana. Like, how insane is that? <laughs> how ridiculous is that? It just, it just lines up in a great way against all of the deck's worst matchups. And Dredge. Really, really Dredge, which is almost a buy, but... Um, <laughs> but you would bring it in. You would bring it in, obviously, but, like, you don't need the help, I'm saying. But, like, against, yeah. like, Storm is a terrible matchup. Mill is almost unwinnable. Um, even humans, even humans, like, just blocking a Mantis Rider is a big deal. Against, uh, against any sort of Flyers deck, you can block... Um, I don't know, like, Lingering Souls tokens. You can block... Um, Things that are wearing swords or the um, the equipment, the model, the skyclaves, um, like reach is such an important keyword. Of course, like prowess, 
Uh, reach is such an important keyword right now. Um, but yeah, like the effect, having access to it at instant speed is just a huge, huge deal. I'm kind of sold. I mean, the fact that, you know, like one of Control's best just value things, right? Like they, they Snapcaster anything back. They Maybe it's an opt. Maybe it's whatever it is. They go snap, do their thing, and then they just attack you with a 2-1. And this, like you pay three mana, you like just yeah. the hard cast, yeah. and you go, and I, I think... no, you don't snap, and I win combat. Exactly, and and that's what I was going to point out. Like this is probably going to be the single one out of all of the incarnation that is going to be hard cast the most, because mm-hmm. it's just an insane effect at that price. Like it, it just price to move. Like this thing is like for three mana, you are getting your money's worth. You are getting your money's worth, while the other ones maybe not so much. Is this ever main deckable for you? I don't think that this is main deckable because usually you... I mean, of course, like, there are metagames, right? Like, again, as I'm saying, like, you can just tutor for this if you're playing a pack deck. So, obviously, uh, there are certain metagames, you know, like when Mill is DR0 or whatever, and then you, you, may, you may want to have access to this because it's not an embarrassing thing to have in your main deck, right? Like, if you have an Emrakul game one against Mill, yeah, it's not going to work out, you know? Uh, but, uh, but, but this thing is, like, one card that you can put into your main deck can be fine, um, but I you you won't want to. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know play two copies in the sideboard, just because you're you're actively happy to naturally draw this in the matchups where you want it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I, I didn't think about the whole packed lines, and that 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 kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, packing for an answer to to a pasting flames seems ridiculous to me. At instant speed. At instant speed, speed, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like your opponent has no idea what's coming. As long as you, you, all it asks of you is that you have a two green green. That's all it asks of you. And I guess another green source, another green card, I guess. But yeah, super excited to be trying this one out. This is, yeah, th- th- this is straight going straight into my sideboards ever. <laughs> all right, next one. Damn. That's that's how that's how I'm going to pronounce the name of this card every <laughs> single time ever. Black Black Sorcery. Destroy target creature. A creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated. And it has overload for two white white. You may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all, insta- all instances of target with each. Yeah, this is so so insanely good. Yeah. I, like you. So we we briefly mentioned this before we got on the podcast, and and you said something that that really just kind of blew my mind. You're like, this is just a strictly better Wrath of God, right? And I was like, wait, no, no way, right? Like, what if you're not playing black? It's like doesn't like yeah, sure, you can get hit by exactly spell snare, but yeah. we figured out exactly two scenarios where this would not be strictly better than Wrath. And that would be uh, if you're getting got by Spellsner or if your opponent has an Eidolon in play and you're taking two instead of... Mm-hmm. On the flip side, this doesn't get taxed by stuff like Godak Teague. And if you do have black mana, oh my goodness, is it better. Because just, I mean, it's unconditional removal. And sure, I don't think anybody would be playing it without the overload cost, right? Like, just black, black, destroy trigger creature, no regeneration, you know, it's just, it's like sorcery terminate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but sorcery terminate is not 
bad. It's it's not you know it's not the best, but it's not bad. And 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 the craziest thing about this card is actually not those control decks for me. It is the decks that play creatures because similar to Winds of Abandon, you know it's in your deck as spot removal. And then if you get into a situation, I mean yeah, Winds is one sided, but it costs six to overload. This is just four. If you play that creature based matchup, creature mirror, they kill all your stuff and then they commit. Bam. No, Got him. It's gone. Everything's gone. Yeah. Also, it doesn't give your opponents a million lands. <laughs> True. <laughs> right? Um, this is, this seems to me like it's going to be an insta four off. It literally every single deck that can cast it, because it just it just has no downside, right? Like it's it's like what we were saying earlier. It's all upside. Every single line of text in here is upside. Yeah, this card's really sweet. This one is messed up. I think this this one is going to be a staple for years to come. Like this is this is just the new standard removal, folks. Get used to it. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to talk about that one? No, I'm gonna we we can move on to the next bad boy. Which <laughs> yeah. We knew about I guess because of the whole Reddit thing. Yeah. But uh people have been wanting this card in modern for a long time. They finally got it. It's Shardless Agent. Mm -hmm. So I, I maybe could do this one from memory, but maybe it would be an advisor secretly or something. Uh, <laughs> so this one is uh, one green and blue. It is a artifact creature, human rogue. It is a 2-2, two -two, and it has Cascade. And that's it. That's, that's it. it. That's the whole card. But three mana Cascade, hugely powerful. We know, I mean, we just came from the hell that was oh, the Valkyrie yeah. meta. <laughs> So oh, yeah. thank goodness this card wasn't around then. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you, you you took good advantage of that, right? I I guess I did. <laughs> hey. uh, but this one, I think this is gonna just make a lot of those decks a lot cleaner. Like you can play this in the blue based living end decks, and it pitches to force. It pitches to. I mean, I don't know if they play subtly, but it does pitch to it. It's also just a reasonable rate in decks not like that, right? Like. You can play this in a fair deck. Mm -hmm. uh, you could play Teamer. You could like Bloodbraid into Shardless into something else. Yeah. And all I was of a already. Paying... I, I was seeing that uh, Spike was posting some some Teamer lists that just had um, like Shardless Agent and always uh, cascaded into Crushing Footfalls. Yeah. And I'm no, like, and that's good. Three mana, ten power. And then I I stopped for a second. And I'm like. Wait, three mana tip? What? <laughs> what? Three mana tip? How is that okay? Yeah. yeah. And then they get to do it consistently because they, they, they're they going to also play Violent Outbursts. And, yeah, you know, every single not... turn. Yeah. Every single Just turn. Here's how many more power. How many Rhinos can you beat? <laughs> not that many. As someone who's played Electro Balance, I'm going to just tell you right now, not that many. <laughs> <laughs> that card is is a lot. That card is a lot. Also, of you course, that... you can go into Ancestral Visions. You can start to do just like... Uh, I, I don't think that you can really play it in in a fair deck. I remember like the Shardless Bug decks of back in the day. Uh, but those decks those decks had access to... Like him to Torak. They had access to... Um, to brainstorm, uh, you know, like uh, the bar is a little bit higher there. I don't think that you can just hope that you can, like, cascading into a bolt. 
that's okay. like it's fine, but like that's not gonna be winning you the game. Well, let me ask you: Does this do anything in an Urza deck? You're talking about fair decks. It's an artifact. It's in color. Does that matter? Seems unlikely, because like Urza decks benefit from having like a bunch of random nonsense. Like they're playing a bunch of cheap artifacts. So like three mana for a two-two and a chromatic star. <laughs> a Mishra's uh, bubble, bubble Mox like Amber. Yeah, it's probably not that exciting. Okay. I don't know, I could be okay. wrong. I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like I mean, you get your mana back if you have Urza out, right? Like even if this gets chromatic star, you paid three and you get two back, like that's not terrible. Yeah. But is this better than Tireless Trucker? Which yeah, is gonna and be... I don't even know if they always play that. Exactly. It would, like, Tireless Trucker just spits out infinite clues, and then, like, that's just insane amounts of mana. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, like, the fact that this is an artifact is a big deal. Like, it's just not... maybe not with Urza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure, for sure. Um... Yeah, too bad that we don't have access to a Lurin or something like that, because that would be delightful, man, let me tell you. I actually was really hoping we would maybe get something like that. I really like that card. <laughs> I, Lurin is amazing. I'm, I'm I'm a big, big fan of that one. Uh, but I'm uh, excited <laughs> for this next one. Yeah, uh, yeah th this is the last one that we have in the Staples Lush Busted uh, category, which, by the way, has taken a casual two hours of conversation from us, so... <laughs> We're probably gonna be gonna be here for a while. Um, anyway, Doty Voidwalker. Can you read this one for me, Spider? Sure. It's black, black. It is a three-two. It's a Dothy Rogue, and I haven't done my research here, so I apologize. I don't know if there are any other Dothys in the history of the game, but maybe I'll uh, let Not you do, do a little side research. I can I can do that while here. you while you read. <laughs> So it, it has Shadow, which, for those of you who don't know, it means this creature can block or be blocked only by creatures with Shadow, which basically just means it's unblockable and it also can't block, right? Uh, it also says, if a card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead with a Void Counter on it. You sacrifice Dothy Voidwalker, choose an exiled card an opponent owns with a Void Counter on it, and you may play that card this turn without, without paying its mana cost. Again, so 3-2 unblockable, that also is almost a rip bear, that also you get free value out of, and also works with Luris. This thing, I, it is insane to me how ridiculous this is. It's also worth noting that if this dies and you get it back with Luris, or let's say you get a second one, they can get those same cards with the void counters on it from previous ones. I can't believe the without paying its mana cost clause. Like yeah, that's, I didn't that see is, that at first. I didn't <laughs> see it either. I literally just see it as you are as you are reading it right now. Uh, which, by the way, there are actually a bunch of Doughties in the past, and huh. all of them are shadow creatures. So that's I guess Doughty is like a, a thing for shadow creatures or whatever. Uh, but obviously that that part is not going to be important. Um, this is this is ridiculous though. Yeah. Like this is I, I... insane. This card's really, really good. It, you know, I, I think this is easily main deckable. 
um, you know, in a Lurish shell. I'm thinking you know. four off, dude. I'm not thinking yeah. main deckable. I'm I'm thinking you slam four copies of this. <laughs> like this decks struggled against Dredge. Well, not anymore. <laughs> main deck hate <laughs> casually. Like that's not even. Look, like I think you're playing this for the value, and then it just so happens. Like, oh, was that a lava dart that you cast there? It, it it's gone. You know, it's out of here. Oh, you have an X. Uh, you have an X one. <laughs> There's the lava dart coming back at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, this thing seems. This seems. This is ridiculous to me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking for like the, you know, like the, 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 the small, the small print, you know, and it's just like, nope, no, this is, this is just the deal. The problem is you lean in for the small print and it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, this card is insane against another bla double black card. Going with that those cabalcal first that we talked about. Uh, love to see it. Love to see it. Mono black. Let's go. Um, no, this card is insane. I think this is probably another one for like top three cards in the entire set. Yeah, hundred percent. Ragavan, this one, and I don't know, probably like the White Force. Those are probably like the top three cards in the set. Oh, I know the um, uh, the Black Force. That's what I meant. Mm. Um, this card is insane. I, I just cannot believe that it's a two-mana ley line. You know what's interesting to me is that there were already people trying to play like a blue-black Luris Death Shadow Rogue deck in Modern. Like <laughs> this is so And you're just like, oh, hey, trigger. Unblockable Rogue, dude. And then you mill them, and it feeds this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this card is insane. Yeah, all right. I I'm ready to call it. This is top three cards in the set. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this... I love that this one came casually. It was, like, towards the end, and, like, somebody in one of the discords I'm in was like, oh, they gave Black Rip Bear, and then they were mad. And then I was, like, looking at the text, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? Like, I'm going to, like, thought seize your Emrakul. I'm going to grief your Emrakul, and then I'm going to play it off of this. <laughs> Yes, please do that. Um, yeah, this is the, uh, yeah. This card is insane. This card is absolutely insane. Honestly, I like I I put it in the list, and I have not read that clause, dude. Like I I I just have not read that clause. And now that I yeah that I read it, I'm like yeah, this is just one of the best cards in the, the set, Barnard. I mean that that's the nuts part. Even without the free part, it would no. still be really good. Oh, no. <laughs> it it was on the staples busted category without that clause. Wow, insane. Anyway, um, that's all we got for that clause. And now we're probably going to be moving a lot uh, quicker because, um, first of all, because we're two hours in. And second of all, because <laughs> these are the those these are the heavy hitters. Like, these are the ones that we really wanted to, like, dig in, talk about all the different interactions, talk about all the different possibilities, uh, where we think those cars will go. And then um, that's why it, it took us so long to get through them. Uh, now we're going to be discussing cards that we think are going to either create brand new archetypes straight up, or, or they're going to boost other archetypes 
um, that right now are, you know, like fringe playable or like not very good and that these are going to give them, you know, a much, uh, much needed uh, breath of fresh air that can push them into, you know, not embarrassing, but, you know, you can, you can win some matches. You can 5-0 a league every now and then. You can top 8 a, a challenge, maybe. Um, but uh, actually a lot of help to a bunch of a bunch of existing archetypes, which I think is very, very cool. And, and, much, and a bunch of beloved archetypes, too. You ready? Yeah, 100%. Ready to dig in? Yeah. So this next one is a help to an old archetype in you know, all those affinity decks that don't exist anymore. So this is Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp. It is a one-mana legendary artifact insect. It is a 0-0, but it's got modular 1. And it says, if a modular triggered ability would put one or more 1-1 one, one counters on a creature you control, put that many 1, or sorry, that many plus 1, plus 1, plus 1 counters are put on it instead. And then it's got red to destroy target artifact you control, or white to give Zabaz flying until end of turn. Yeah, I think this card is going to help. It's basically another uh, scales effect, right? As as far as um, not literally a scales effect, because in the way that it works is different, uh, but in terms of how it actually plays out, it's going to you know help with the whole Ravager math and 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 that that kind of interaction and and, and stuff. So uh, we actually have a bunch of uh, boosts for the archetype. Uh, or like not necessarily for the archetype, but for for this style of deck. So for um, artifacts matter. Yeah, for artifacts matter. So uh, another thing that we do is we have uh, an entire cycle of uh, dual lands. We have uh, all of them are artifact lands. All of them enter the battlefield tapped, and all of them are indestructible. And of course, they pay they uh, tap for a mana of any colored pair. So, you know, blue-white, blue-black, red-black, etc., etc., etc. Honestly, I'm very interested in, to, in seeing how insane or unplayable those are. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting spot design-wise. Like, I think it being them being tapped is a huge cost. Mm-hmm. Like, really is a tremendous cost. But artifact duels, you know, there's a reason those lands got banned originally. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll see if if anyone can make anything in that. There's also the there's a rainbow artifact land in Energy Depot, which still has that tapped clause, but also has modular one on it. So it's got the kind of classic like it taps for art for a colorless, but can also tap it for any color, but only for artifacts or artifact abilities. But then it's also like, hey, why don't you why don't you sacrifice me to that Arcbound Ravager, huh? Yeah. Also, it works with. Um... When it comes into play, if you have a hardened scales, it's gonna put two counters on this, right? I believe so. I think yeah. that's how that works. Um, then we have Nettle Cyst, three mana artifact equipment, living weapon. Uh, for those of you who don't know, living weapon says when this equipment enters the battlefield, you create a zero zero black Phyrexian germ creature token, and then you attach this to it. Uh, in the past, it was just a germ. Now it's a Phyrexian germ. I wonder why that changes. And then it says, equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control, equipped two. So it's basically cranial plating that also buffs um, toughness. Mm -hmm. 
uh, which is which is pretty interesting. Of course, two mana, th- one more mana to cast it, and two mana to move it around. But you know, cranial playing is cranial playing. You cannot really, <laughs> you cannot really mess. Uh, you, you cannot really undervalue cranial plating. Uh, the last one for all of these artifact uh, matters. Uh, the last one of what we consider to be good cards, by the way. Maybe we missed someone, but like we we wanted to cover the ones that are pretty in your face. Last one is called Thought Monitor. Six and a blue for a two-two flying artifact creature construct affinity for artifacts. That's uh that's that's where the that's where the the spice comes from. And it has an ATV. When it enters the battlefield, you draw two cards. This one is the payoff. A 2-2 Thought Cast, effectively. Yep. For 7 mana. That's no joke. Thought Cast was a real card back in the day. And now you staple that onto a 2-2 Flyer? Alright. Alright, you, 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 you got my attention now. You got my attention. I think that that card... If there was a card to ever make um, Affinity remotely close to playable, that is... That is maybe the return of that keyword. Yeah. I am a little sad about Batterbone. I know you said only the good ones. <laughs> that one's not good. Um, it's like a little mini Batterskull. It's, it's, it equips too much. I feel like it could have been cool with Luris. Anyway, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next, uh, next archetype that we wanted to discuss is uh, Reanimator. We have never had a Reanimator deck that was actually good in modern. Uh, that was never really a thing. Um, and now we got number one, a great enabler. We talked about that last week with the entomb, right? Uh, the fixed entomb, uh, unmarked grave. And now we have a really, really good, um, a really good, a good payoff. Uh, well, not not play payoff like like the other part of the combo, right? Like the, an actual reanimator spell. Now we have the enable, and now we have the reanimator spell, which is called Persist, and it's a one and a black sorcery. You target a non-legendary creature card in your graveyard, you return it to the battlefield with a minus one, minus one counter on it. Remember we talked about that angel last week, huh? Yeah. Remember about that angel? I haven't. I've also since remembered other cards like Tide Spout Tyrant and Sire of Insanity and Ashen Rider. All kinds of fun, fun goodies. Ashen Rider, or Rider, how would you pronounce that card? And we even got a brand new one. We even got a brand new one, which is an insane reanimator target. Archon of Cruelty, six black black for a mythic rare. Creature Archon, it's a 6-6 flyer. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, target opponent sacrifices a creature or, or planeswalker, discards a card and loses three life, you draw a card and you gain three life. Mm-hmm. It's Lura and er, sorry, Lura. It's Kroxa and uh Anura. at the same time. <laughs> That's such a great way to put it. Um this is one of the best reanimator targets that I've ever seen. Yeah, this card's really good. It's not as, like, hate-out-your-deck sort of style as some of the other stuff we've seen in the past. But even if you reanimate this, if that thing resolves, even if they kill it, it's like, 
great. Like, you lost a card, I got a card, you sacked a thing, you lost the life. Like, it just does so much, and we, we know how much it does because we've seen Crokes and Uro do their thing. And it's not just ETB, it's, it's attacks. It attacks like, that's, that's insane. Like, the, the fact that it's attack as well. So if, if you don't remove this thing, you're, you're done. It's over. Yep. Yep. No, this, this thing does not, does not mess around at all. This thing does not mess around at all. It's it's pretty ridiculous. Um, I, one that I wanted to point out is uh, probably not gonna make the cut, but like we don't really have that many cheap reanimation uh, effects. So one that did get printed is called Priest of Fell Rites. It's white and a black for a 2-2. It's a creature human warlock. You tap it and you pay 3 life. You sacrifice this and you return tiger creature card from graveyard to the battlefield. Activate only as a sorcery. And, very important, it has unearth for 3 white and a black. I don't know whether this is going to be playable or not. I really don't. But, we don't really have that many options. <laughs> okay, we, we don't have that many reanimation cards. We have... Um, we have the persist that we just talked about. We have makeshift mannequin. Uh, we have like a couple of those at like four mana, right? Like I guess we have footstep of the Gorio, but you know, also that one comes with with some limitations that you know it kills it at end step. So I'm just throwing this it's one still out there. Good though. Yeah, I don't know right. for sure, for sure. Uh, but uh, but I'm just throwing this one out there because mostly because of the lack of limitations, and I think that the unearth is what makes this potentially playable. The fact that you can you know you can play this on turn two, and then you can you know on, on your turn three you can uh, entomb for your hate pe for your a big dude, and then you you activate the ability straight up because it doesn't require any mana. But if they do kill this, if they do kill the priest you can just unearth it on turn 5, right? So, and then you can do this at instant speed, right? Like, you just unearth it, you, you tap it immediately, and then you get your fatty back. So, because of that, I wanted to point that out. Um, again, mostly it's a matter of lack of options more than the overall power level of this one, but it may be powerful enough to be playable. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, next archetype that is getting some uh, some, some good help is remember those uh, like five color Sioux decks from back in the day? Yeah. Domain. Domain Sioux, exactly. And we have some really really sweet additions to this archetype. Number one, we have a twelve mana artifact creature. It's called Scion of Draco. Um. 12 mana artifact, creature dragon, 4-4 flyer, it has domain, this spell costs 2 less to cast for each basic land type among lands you control. Basic land type, not basic land. Each creature you control gains vigilance if it's white, hexproof if it's blue, lifelink if it's black, first strike if it's red, and trample if it's green. That's a static ability. So, obviously, the busted thing with this, triumphs. Yep. You go turn one, tap Triumph, turn two, whatever Shockland you were missing, you pay uh, you pay two mana for your 4-4 four, four flyer that buffs your entire team. Also, you can go turn one, Ignoble Hierarch, into turn two, uh, Triumph plus, plus this. You know, like, of course, you have, like, a bunch of different options. There's ways to, to make it happen. Yeah. And, and the next card is almost the same kind of card, 
Uh, it does a little bit different things, but it's going to incentivize those same play patterns of triomes and whatever shock you're missing. And that is Territorial Kavu, which is a red and a green. It's a beast. It has domain where its power and toughness are equal to the number of basic land types among lands you control. And when it attacks, you choose one of either discard a card if you do draw a card and exile up to one target card from a graveyard. So either rummage one or exile a thing. And it's, you know, star star. So if you go triome plus shock, this thing's a 5-5. Five, five. It's a two-mana 5-5. Five, five. It's bigger than a goif. Yeah, bigger than a goif. and it shrinks goifs and, and rummages. <laughs> like it, it, I, I think these two cards together could really kind of breathe some life into that archetype because we've seen people mess around with like ooh triome plus tribal flames mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure like uh, triumphs really trying to they did almost enough to bring to bring tribal flames back to to being playable they unfortunately did not but i mean these cards are really good man like this is that's a lot of power for a very very minuscule investment of mana so I don't think that's just no joke. That's no joke for sure. All right, coming up next, we have uh, Bone Shards, uh, which is a very interesting card. For one black, it's a sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell. You sacrifice a creature or discard a card. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Um, I didn't. I wasn't very sure where to put this because I think that this can go in different places. I think that, um, you know, we talked about the Ogmoth deck earlier, where, you know, we had, like, the, the Planeswalker that was making tokens. We also have another card that I, I am very, very excited to brew with, uh, which we're going to be talking about in the future, that incentivizes you to be playing, um, to sacrifice your creatures. Uh, we also have access to the Reanimator strategy. We're talking about how we were lacking enablers. Well, if you have a, if you have a creature that you want to discard in your hand... You can also like spend one mana to blow up a creature or a planeswalker. So yeah. Bone Shard seems like it could potentially be a very, very solid role player. And it does like it's not insane or anything, but it does enough to enable synergies that I thought it was possible that it, it could uh, give birth to, to an archetype or two. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about what that did. I, I know there was a similar card a while back that I think was only Sacrifice. Yeah, and I, exactly. I just kind of, like, my eyes glazed over and I was like, this is the same card. But it it's not. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Uh, and th that's basically, like, strictly better um, Lightning Axe, which is a card that Dredge sometimes plays, right? I guess it's Sorcery, so it's not, like, strictly better, but... It's pretty close to just being better most of the time because it can kill a placewalker even, or it can just kill like a one coil engine or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Another one, Creon Ranger. This one is obviously a reprint, but I think that I put it in the new fringe because I think uh, this one is going to really help the elves category. Like uh, the elves archetype is gonna is going to help be held by a lot with Creon Ranger. For one green, you get a 1-1 Elf Ranger creature, and you get to return a forest. You control to its owner's hand. You untap target creature, activate only once each turn. Legacy staple, very strong in the in the Elf's archetype, uh, very strong in the um, Popper Elf's archetype, basically in every deck in Popper. Like, this card is really, really good in Popper. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think this card can do... 
I don't know how much it's going to do to help the Elves archetype, but I think that it's definitely a card that the Elves decks are going to be very, very happy to have access to. Yeah, I agree. I'm not exactly sure how much it jumps them, but it'll do, it'll do something. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, another tribal deck that gets a, gets a very, very, very good uh, amount of help here. Merfolk, the loved, beloved folk. Uh, we have access to the first ever Merfolk god, which is called Sevilla Loon of Sea and Sky. Two blue blue for a 3-4 legendary creature Merfolk god. This thing has indestructible as long as you control at least two other Merfolk. Whenever this attacks, you draw a card. That's no joke. Other Merfolk you control have a ward 1. Whenever another Merfolk you control becomes the target of a spell or ability and opponent control, counter it unless that player pays 1. Yeah. Now this is real. I yeah. think... I, I don't even know if Merfolk moves into fringe so much as just, like, actually playable with all of these and dock hand as well. Yeah, we have the dock hand which is the one that we talked about last week and we also have another one that I'm looking for right now. I feel like I'm close. I feel like I'm close. Tide Shaper. One blue for a 1/1 one, one creature Merfolk Wizard. It has kicker of one colorless. When uh, this enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target land becomes an island for as long as Tide Shaper remains on the battlefield. And then it gets plus 1 plus 1 as long as an opponent controls an island. I think people were talking about just replacing Spreading Seas with this, which is... Maybe that's real. It makes a lot know. of sense to me, honestly. Like, they're going to be drawing They're gonna like be drawing a 2-2 anyway, of, right? Like, if you want to run it and Spreading Seas, you just get to... Your thing's an island. Your other thing's an island. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess that there's a way that they can just go super hard on the whole... You know, like, Seas Claim. Uh, they can go super hard on the... Um, Mono blue pawns. Exactly, exactly. Like really disrupt your mana and then use the dock hand to tap your to tap your your lands that tap for productive mana. You know, so definitely an interesting one. All right. Moving on, we've got the General Ferris Rockerick, who is one red and a white. He's legendary human soldier. Protect or sorry, not protection. I almost I almost stumbled there. Hexproof from monocolored. Whenever you cast a multicolored spell. Create a 4-4 red-white golem artifact creature token, and it is a 3-1. So this this card is... I don't know exactly where this fits. Like, some people are talking about humans, some people are just, like, trying to do multicolored matters, some people are trying to do Niv, but just a 3-mana three 3-1 three that's hard to kill and makes 4-4s whenever you cast a spell in the right deck, it, it does stuff. Yeah. And you can trigger this multiple times a turn, too. So, like, people were thinking already about mana morphos and stuff like that. Seems like you may be depending a little bit too much on this card if you're putting Metamorphos in your creature deck um, that has literally no other synergies with it. Um, but I think that just on its face, like, Humans has so many creatures that would trigger this. Like, Mantis Rider, uh, Reflector Mage, uh, Medlin Mage, um, General Kudro. Like, all of those creatures just trigger this thing without just no effort whatsoever. Yeah. I'm curious to see where folks take this. Yeah, I'm not going to be the one brewing with that card, but but some people are going to, let me tell you. All right, this one is super cute, and it's actually really interesting. It's called Academy Manufacturer, three mana for a 1-3 artifact creature assembly worker. If you would create a clue, food, or treasure token, 
create one of each instead. This one has some very interesting potential. Why am I getting, like, uh, KCI flashbacks? <laughs> well, that's why this one has potential. <laughs> this one has potential because uh, there are lands and there are cards that just by playing lands will trigger and give you some of this. So the fact that you turn it into all of them makes things a lot more interesting. Uh, gingerbread yeah, cabin is is the the most uh, the, the most obvious place to go. If you couple this with Ragavan, you're getting <laughs> you can't even more cat advantage. <laughs> Probably going too deep. Just to need more treasures. Probably going a little bit too deep. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean Ursa, right? Like this thing with Ursa can get out of hand so quickly, man. Like Tyler's Tracker, Gingerbread Cabin, exactly. Uh, there, there are multiple ways that you can trigger that thing. I know that a canister was posting that he was going to be brewing with that, that that guy. He didn't think it was particularly busted, but he was just saying that he was super excited about it. <laughs> Leave it to him to figure out if it's the next coming of Casey. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm not going to touch any of those cards. Okay, so what we have coming up next is a brand new archetype to the format, but it is actually a, a beloved one. This is Classic Legacy Enchantress, and they went they went deep on this one. We have seen uh, enchantment-based decks in the past very often playing in during Ideal. They were always terrible, uh, but people... <laughs> People love them, right? Like, people would still play them even though they were never playable because uh, people really, really enjoy playing um, with uh, with enchantment decks. Like, it's just something that really uh, speaks to some people. And now we're going to have access to... Number one, Enchantress's Presence. Two and a green for an enchantment. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you draw a card. This is like your, your bread and butter enchantment. So, big deal that we have access to that one. Number two, we have Sterling Grove. Green and a white for an enchantment that says other enchantments you control have Shroud. That is um, old school Hexproof. And it's actually strictly worse than Hexproof because <laughs> you cannot target your own stuff. But that's it. this is how it worked back then. And for one mana and you sacrifice Sterling Grove and you can search your library for any enchantment, you reveal it, you shuffle, and then you put that card on top of it. So it is a demonic tutor for any enchantments. On your protective enchantment, right? Then we have solitary confinement. This is the, the prison piece that will help you survive. So two on a white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you sacrifice solitary confinement unless you discard a card. And this is the, the, the big part of it. Skip your draw step. You have shroud is the other line of text. You can't be the target of special abilities. And you prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. So for a three manual police enchantment, you um, you cannot the opponent can't can't really kill you, and and then you skip your draw step. So the idea is you would use enchantress's presence and Argothian enchantress in order to kind of keep the cards flowing and in fact draw you know kind of insane amounts of cards. Uh, but that is how they how they um, they worked with that. Um, with, they worked around that drawback. Then we have access to a couple more cards. Um, 
We don't have Argothian Enchantress, but we have Sithis Hand of the Harvest. Green-white for a 1-2 legendary enchantment creature, Nymph. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, you gain one life and you draw a card. So it is almost Argothian Enchantress, but fixed because you can actually kill it, which is good, honestly. And then we don't have the mana engine that is Sarah Sanctum, because that would be busted. Also reserve list, yay. But we have Sanctum Weaver, who for one and a green, it's a 0-2 enchantment creature dryad. You tap it and you add X mana of any one color where X is the number of enchantments you control. Really pushing it. Really pushing it with the whole enchantment matter uh, and enchantress uh, theme. There are, of course, a bunch of other enchantment uh, cards that were printed in Theros. So there, there's, the, there's a three mana uh, enchantress that... Um, that grows, which I can't remember the name. There are, of course, Utopis Prol. There's abundant, uh, abundant growth. Uh, there, there are a lot of enchantments out there. So I, I do expect to every now and then get paired against against the enchantress player that's just trying to trying to do the thing, trying to live the dream. Yeah. Trying. There's more tools now. I don't know if it gets to be like an actual deck right like i don't think there's still just so many archetypes that just can't it probably can't beat but i don't know i i think it'll be cool to see how people try to adapt it i think with this much support it'll move from like the fringe of the fringe to just like you know regular fringe yeah 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 <laughs> no and it's like it's it's a much it seems like a much more reasonable shell than something like the enduring ideal deck Right, like it just feels yeah. like it's doing something more powerful. Uh, maybe, Absolutely. maybe we'll see a combination of both. Maybe we'll see like decks playing, you know, solitary confinement or like enduring ideal for solitary confinement, and then just like kind of pillow for themselves, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, interesting to have access to. Uh, I have one that I put amongst just with a question mark. This is abiding grace. So it's two and a white for an enchantment, and it says at the beginning of your end step, you choose one. You either gain one life, or you return target a creature card with mana value one from your graveyard to the battlefield. I don't know if this is maybe going to... Proc? Sorry? So maybe like martyr proc thing? That's what I was thinking, and that's what I've, what I've been seeing people talking about. I don't know if this is necessarily good. I don't know what else you can do. I, I mean, I, I could imagine you can get your Sarah Ascendant and stuff like that, right? So... Of note, it is mana value 1. It needs to be exactly 1. So, uh, this could help Martyr proc. I don't know if this is going to make that deck even playable, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure it's good enough for that deck. Yeah. Just like a 3-man enchantment that doesn't do anything the turn you play it. Um, but Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm definitely... I have no idea about that deck anyway, so... <laughs> um... <laughs> Next one, Blazing, Blazing Rudwalla, and uh, this is a cool one. I it's a callback. This is a callback to one of my OG favorite creatures of all time, which is Baskin Rudwalla. I have cast many a Baskin Rudwalla in my time, uh, but this one is a, a red version. So Blazing Rudwalla, red for a creature lizard, one one. If you pay one red mana. This uh, gets plus two plus so until end step, and you can activate this ability only once each turn. But the very important part of this card is that it has madness for zero. 
Um, that is obviously what was the big part about the the other Rudwala card, um, and I I kind of paired this one up with another one, uh, which is called Kitchen Imp, which is a four mana three and a black for a two two fly in haste, and has a sorry it has madness there we go. Madness for for a black a black mana. So this kind of cards uh, we were talking um, with Spider about you know any card that has such a low madness cost, it feels like you just have to think about it in the context of like hollow hollow vine. Like exactly. So if you're already discarding stuff, you know maybe you get to play both of these. They're triggering venge vines. I don't know exactly what you would be using to discard stuff. I think that deck is still just missing, like, Faithless Looting, right? Yeah. It's missing a good uh, just discard enabler. But if they ever get it, now they've got a lot of ways. You know, you, you've got free creatures in both of these that you can pitch, so you get card advantage out of loot effects. And then you also have, like, free spells in the various incarnations in this uh, in MH2. So... I think that deck is, it's not really a thing yet, but it's kind of just like waiting on, for one more tool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it goes from 0 to 100 real quick with that with that kind of deck, right? Like, that's exactly what happened with Hogak, right? Like, the deck was fine, it was just a deck that was playable, and that people were messing around with every now and then, and then Hogak was printed, and it was just like, yeah, this is far and away the best deck in the format, there's nothing that can even remotely touch it, uh, it needs to get banned, so it's, it's, it's important to keep those in the back burner, you know, like making sure that you can, <laughs> that you remember that those decks exist, and just that one missing piece can take, can take it to the next uh, to, to the next level. Absolutely. Next one. Moving on, yeah. we've got this Tireless Provisioner, which is a callback to, of course, Tireless Tracker. So it's two and a green, also a 3-2, also an elf, I think, or maybe Tracker's human. a human scout. This is an elf scout. Uh, and it's got landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a food token or a treasure token. So it's not, you know, it's that uncommon. It's not getting you cards like Tireless Tracker is. But having that flexibility of food or treasure could be pretty good, and maybe like an Urza deck could do some nasty things with this, like any kind of permanence matter deck, maybe. Yeah, and I threw and I threw this in there because there are multiple archetypes. Like, there's the the, the little art the little artifact that we talked about uh, like a, a couple of minutes ago. Uh, there are uh, you know like food decks that could uh, that could potentially do stuff like that with. Um, the oven, um, cat oven engine, and stuff like that, that, you know, they, every now and then, th those decks show up, because that, you know, that engine was too good for standard, and, like, a lot of good cars that were too good for standard were, were also banned from modern as well, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting, um, it might, might show up here and there. Alright, the last three that we have, we just wanted to point them out because we don't know whether they're going to be good enough or not. Uh, the first one is Clattering Ogre. One in the black for a 1-1 one, one creature skeleton shaman. It can't block. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose one life. Two black black, return this from your graveyard to your hand. 
no idea what this does, but it's card advantage in multiple ways and like sacrifice engines and stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, just just know that it exists and don't. <laughs> it's out. Yeah, there. don't don't be too surprised if you know if if it, this something like this ends up being you know completely busted. Uh, then there's uh, there's another one that's called Necrogoif, which I which I'm looking for desperately as I try to find. I, I've got you it got here. it, sweet. It is three Saved. black black. It is a Lurgoif, and it's got power equal to the number of creatures in all graveyards. It is a star four, so that stars that power four always. And then at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player discards a card. It also has madness one black black. So the kind of neat thing here is that it's sort of an engine for itself, right? So mm-hmm. if you have multiple Negrogoifs, you can pitch them to other ones, cast them, they grow themselves. Uh, this feels like a little bit more powerful than a lot of the old-style Lurgoifs, but certainly no Tarmogoyf. Yeah, well, I, I that's why I, I chose to throw this one. Like, we literally just talked about uh, the Rutwala, right? We talked about the, the possibility of... of um, Hollow one, and madness for one black black. It's not that much. Like it, it is a lot. It is a lot. But like we're assuming that you're building your deck around this card, and you can go, you know, like turn one, uh, whatever. Turn two, you can play uh, something like the the wild mongrel, which I forgot the name. The the the, the snake. Yeah. One and a green for a two-two, uh, and you can discard the card, so you can um, noose constrictor, noose constrictor, and then you can play this on turn three, and that's no joke. Like the fact that it just triggers straight up at the beginning of the next upkeep, that is what made it interesting to me. Right. So they discard before you do. So it's kind of like you know that was always the drawback of the draw everybody draws stuff but this actually benefits you it's like uh-huh. no you lose a card before i do and i actually gain advantage out of discarding yep uh, i was also thinking of i don't know like something like this innate rack you know liliana plus this thing and like you mm-hmm. cast it and then your opponent is discarding yet another card and now they have like a, you have like a massive dude in play um it was just barely interesting enough to be warranted inclusion. I don't know if there's an archetype for this. I don't know that it, it, this is even going to be remotely close to playable. Uh, but I just wanted to point it out there. And uh, on that same vein, <laughs> Chainer, Nightmare <laughs> Adept, 2 black red for a 3-2 legendary creature, Human Minion. Discard the card. You may cast a creature spell from your graveyard this turn. Activate only once each turn. This is, of course, to prevent loops with itself. With itself, sorry. Uh, whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, if you didn't cast it from your hand, it gained haste until your next turn. So it's like a reanimator enabler, and it's a cool commander. <laughs> yeah, I know. Again, like free discards, uh, free discard enabler, and it gives you something back. Probably not gonna be good enough for modern play. But stranger things have happened, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So those are our new fringe archetypes. Man, we're we're battling. This is a long one. We're battling through this one, but that was that was good. Like we we kind of went through that one rather quickly, which I like. Um, this one is going to. 
Okay, this is gonna be more of a trip through memory lane rather than, you know, discussing really good cards or anything. Uh, but a lot of them are gonna be very good. I think a lot of them uh, are gonna be are gonna see a lot of play. Of course, I'm talking about the oldies. Yes, these are cards that have been legal in um, you know in Magic in the past. These are old cards that predate modern, and they're gonna get basically built bring brought onto modern just from this set. Okay, so now all of these oldie but goodies are gonna be available for you to brew and spew tickets with. And I <laughs> just set them on fire. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> Alright. Starting off with probably what my favorite that it's gonna be awful. Patriarch's bidding. Three black black sorcery. Each player it chooses a creature type. Each player returns all creature cards of a type chosen this way from their graveyard to the battlefield. In the past this was a staple in the goblins bidding deck. Very, very powerful archetype. Hasn't been playable in decades. <laughs> but it's very <laughs> cool that it exists, I guess. My uh, my favorite, it's probably also unplayable, but I'm going to try, is Upheaval. Oh, yeah. Which is, for those of you who don't know, four blue-blue sorcery return all permanents to their owner's hands. All of them. That's the lands, that's everything. So, you know, this bad boy, people played it with Psychotog, you pitch all these things to the Tog, Dr. Teeth would get in there and smash your face. We don't even have Psychotog in Modern. No. And the, the play pattern... I, I don't know. The, the, the play pattern always was you would, um, you would get to a point where you had 8 mana, you would float 8 mana, you would upheaval, bounce everything, 2 mana floating, you would play your land for turn, cast your Psychotog, Sago. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the play pattern. You get to untap opponent. Good times, man. Magic was so much simpler back then. It, that was a simple play, yeah. huh? <laughs> uh, magic was so much simpler back then. All right, next one, Suran Orb. This one is a weird one that I am oddly interested in and oddly excited about. Zero mana artifact. It has only one ability, sacrifice a land, a land, and you gain two life. I'm probably, I'm going to come back to this one, okay? I'm just going to throw it out there, but I'm going to come back to this one. We're going to elaborate on that one. Next, okay. Seal of Removal. One blue, uh, one blue mana, enchantment, sacrifice Seal of Removal, uh, return like a creature to its owner's hand. Lurus. Buff to Lurus. Buff to Lurus. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh, it, this this of course is a staple in enchantment uh, uh, enchantment style deck which enchantress and, and whatnot. So this is probably this is the, the the card that is going to cost me the most tickets. I think Goblin <laughs> Bombardment one in a red for an enchantment, and it says sacrifice a creature. Goblin Bombardment deals one damage to any target. I think that's actually maybe good. I don't know. Like, I know Jim Davis is excited about this. You know, he's got fecundity and goblin bombardment. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was already, I've been already brewing with this. Um, it combos with Lurus. And uh, you can, of course, work with uh, Bloodgast. You can do all with Gravecrawlers. Uh, get your zombies back. Get value. Ping all of your opponent's stuff. Get them back. It's good times. 
It's a fun, fun, really fun card. Next, Mishra's Factory. Land, taps for a colorless. You can pay one, and this becomes a 2-2 assembly worker artifact creature until end of turn. It is still a land. And you can tap this, and we can give target assembly worker plus one plus one until end of turn. I think this card coming to modern matters, you know, it's similar to your Blink Moth Nexus or your Immutable, but it's kind of both, right? So it's like got that power, it's got the pump, still an artifact. They've been making artifact aggro stuff maybe matter here. I, I don't think this card's like busted or anything, but I, I think this is a good addition for, for the decks that do want it. Yeah, I think it's cool. And it's it's just a nice one to have access to, sort of deal you know because so, some decks really care about the the tribal aspect of mutavolt right mm-hmm. uh some decks don't <laughs> the decks that don't are gonna be really excited to have access to an almost better in every way mutavolt so right because it has the whole they combo with each other exactly. and you can do the block and pump it so. exactly this this um if if your um if your land is not summoning sick it can actually block as a 3-3 because it can actually pump itself which is a, it's a big, big deal. Next, Flame Rift. One in red sorcery. Flame Rift is four damage to each player. This is really good, isn't Yikes. it? Yes, I think. Like, isn't this actually great? Gets around Leyline. It is two, four damage for in one single card at only two mana. Like, burn decks are splashing white almost exclusively for Boros Charm. Yes, there's also Helix, but... Like, Helix is not really that great of a rate. It's just great in the mirror. So, I on, I don't know if I would be very surprised if burn is just playing mono-red now that they have access to Flame Rift. They might. I mean, this also does things... I don't know if this is relevant, but it's pretty nice with Scourge. You, you deal damage to both people. Yep. Yeah, this is a sick combo. I, I could see, like, red-black uh, Shadow, for example. You know, like, that deck that was, was a staple at some point, um, and it would... Um, like, the whole point was that it needed to deal damage, and it would put pressure quickly, so you are excited about taking the damage, and you are excited about dealing the damage. Um, so, like, the fact that this is... This gives you both of a thing that you really want is seems great for that archetype, so... Next, Greed. This is mostly because it's cute and because, you know, mono black. Let's go. Uh, Greed, three and a black for an enchantment. You pay one black and you pay two life. You draw a card. Never. Cobble coffers. Let's go. Never going to see play, but cobble coffers. Let's go. Mirror is wake. Three, green and white. For an enchantment, creatures you control gets plus one, plus one. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. So it doubles up all of your mana. Maybe an Enchantress. Maybe people are going to brew around Mirai's Wake. Yes, they are going to. Probably is not going to be great. Still, awesome that they can. <laughs> Next. This one is... I, I, I can actually see this one seeing play. Never Nero's Disc. Four mana for an artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped. You pay one mana and you tap this. You destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. This is like the first Wrath that I really played with and against. Not because of when it was or anything, just casually. And I guess we had some Never Neal's discs. So there's some real nostalgia for me with this one. 
I, I have a hard time seeing this be better than like Oblivion Stone, but maybe you can play it in like non-Tron decks. I don't, what did you have in mind for this one? Well, in the past, this has seen uh, playing control decks, but nowadays, instead of doing this, you are just playing Planeswalkers instead. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is a coolest answer to enchantment. That is the only. This is the only uh, very unique thing. So, like blue-black control decks can actually kill enchantments thanks to the disc, which they would just not be able to answer otherwise. So, I don't know. Anti-Bogles deck. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> I guess it doesn't kill Planeswalkers. It does not. Like, it does not. You can have it out and play your walker. You only hold up one to Wrath. That's, that's like, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that that's why I said that, that is one that I think may see some play. And this one, honestly, I was I didn't know if I should just put this one in the staple. This is just Vindicate. <laughs> one white and a black. Three words. Destroy. Target. Permanent. Oh yeah, I love this. Uh, yeah, we've already had like Maelstrom Pulse. We just Wizards didn't want us targeting lands, uh -huh. you know, unless it was Trophy and you got a land back. Now, now there is a black white stone rain. Yep, and it's all I ever wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and the the casting cost kind of matters in a way because Niv, right? Niv decks now yeah. have access to Land Hate. This is a card that they can find off of the Niv. I don't know whether this is going to be better than Kaya's Guile, but yeah, I mean, and again, like this is just another great option that people are going to have access to. And it's just great that it exists. Yeah, it's great to have in the format. It's not broken by any means. It's just like a decent card that people will sometimes play. Mm -hmm. For sure. Next, Braids, Cabal Minion, 2, Black Black, for a 2-2 legendary creature, Human Minion. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices an artifact, creature, or land. People love this card. The prison players rejoice. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is going to be... I don't think this yeah. is good. <laughs> it's going to be terrible, but still, it's great that it exists. Gorilla Shaman, Rev... For a 1-1 creature Ape Shaman, X, X, and 1 destroy target non-creature artifact with mana value X. Why am I throwing this yeah. one in here? Because of because liquid metal coating. You gotta blow up the lands. Exactly. <laughs> there was, That's what everybody's trying to do. Uh -huh. There was already like a Karn, Timur, liquid metal coating deck, um, and this just is another card effect in that sense. Um, this is a really cool card yep. to have in modern. It's an ape shaman. You, you just, it's so cool. I don't think it's really going to show up too often. Maybe if these artifact decks actually take off, you could do it. Um, because it, you know, blowing up those yep. lands, it just, just says pay one. Stone rain. And you can activate yep. as many times as you want. Um, <laughs> just machine gun down their yeah. lands. Also, like, you know, you, you go into the late game, you're top decking, your opponent has a Jace going, you have 10 mana because you have, like, your Arbor Elves, and your opponent doesn't even care about, you know, killing your, your Arbor Elves because they they don't want to, and then you top the Gorilla Shaman, and you pay 9 mana, and you blow up a Jace. Awesome. <laughs> Liquid Middle Coding. Yeah. Liquid Middle Coding doing work. <laughs> 
Nine mana. Nine mana Vindicate. Just when Vindicate's in the form. Nine mana and a Luke Middle Coding and an Ape. And you can destroy your own Jace. Alright, next. Bone Shredder. This one is a cute one. Two on a black. One, one. Creature, Phyrexian, Minion. Flying. Echo. Two on a black. At the beginning of your upkeep, if this creature came, came unto, under your control since the beginning of your last upkeep, you sacrifice it unless you pay its echo cost. When this enters the battlefield, you destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature. You can tutor this with Recruiter. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting, and it's got it's got all that nostalgia packed in. It's it's really, really cool to have in the format. Again, I doubt it's better than something like tutoring, oh, I don't know, Skyclave Apparition, but... <laughs> But it's really cool. Next one. And this one hits the nostalgia so hard, man. Fire Ice. Fire. It's a split card. The fire side says instant. Deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two targets. And the ice part, one in a blue. Instant, tap target permanent, you draw a card. Oh yeah. This card's really cool. You can uh, you would put this on an Isochron Scepter if you really want to just... You can't get enough of You can't ice. do that anymore, though, right? <laughs> oh, you can't do it? I think that because of they changed the rules and now you can't do that anymore. We do I thought we you... do live in the, in the saddest timeline, I think. Okay. Well, if that's the truth, then, then, then you know, never mind. You can, you can unprint it. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that... I, I know people I think, like it in Cascade stuff. No, I think but. that a lot of people are going to... I'm going to, to do the thing with this one. Uh, it's just, like, fine, right? Like, you're, you're not writing home about this, you know? Like, it's not the, the, the best rate you've ever seen. But the flexibility is very good. Uh, if you get to ever, you know, like ping an Arborel for something, like you're you're not gonna feel sad. You you kill. It's almost an electrolyze, and it gives you the flexibility of tapping any permanent, not just, um, not just uh, like an online permanent. So, or your opponent's end step, you can tap their land, you can untap, and you can resolve your spell. Uh, in the control mirror, while drawing a card, so you don't even down a card as you do that. So. I mean, I think that people... You can upkeep port them, essentially, you can, with ice. Exactly, yeah. you can tap their stuff on the upkeep. Uh, uh, it's it's okay. Like, I, I think it's cool that it yeah. exists, and people are definitely going to try to play it. It's probably not going to be as good as it used to be, but... <laughs> for sure. Karmic Guy, 3, white, white, for a 2-2 two, two flying protection from black angel spirit. Echo, 3, white, white. When Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Lots of combos with this one. You can also find this one with Recruiter. It is... It's a little uh, little bubble hulk. Yeah. Body double stuff reminiscent. Yeah, exactly. Of... So this one's not going to be legal in Modern. Very, very welcome. Very, very welcome to the format. Yeah. All right. I think you're going to be really excited about this next yeah. one. I'm going to read it so you, you can just give us the takes because <clears> I am sure you have... A thousand I can, things to say. I, I, I can this. drink some water while you drink while you read it. So, so I'm getting ready. <laughs> okay. This is Titania, Protector of Argoth. She is a five-three elemental, and when and she's legendary. When she enters the battlefield, return target land from your graveyard to the battle battlefield. Whenever a land you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, create a five-three green elemental creature token. So you know, classically. 
people are doing Fetchland things. But I'm sure Fran is going to tell you everything you can do with All it. All right. If you right now go onto Magic Online, my Magic Online account, I have 15 little different deck lists, all sporting between <laughs> two and four copies of this card. Um, this is amazing. This is far and away my favorite card of the entire set, and it's not remotely close. This card is amazing in Legacy. I have played it in my my Reclaimer Shells in Legacy, it obviously combos really, really well with that. So, this combos really well with Elder's Reclaimer. This combos really well with Knight of the Reliquary. This combos really, really well with Fetchlands. Combos really well with Ghost Squatter. It combos with... Remember when I said Suran Orb a little bit earlier today? And I kind of <laughs> left it hanging? Well, combos really well with uh, Suran Orb as well. It combos very well with Greater Gargadon. Yes, some of my brews are combining Titania with Greater Gargadon. <laughs> yes, that is actually that is hap something that is happening right now in my Magic Online account. Um, this card is really, really cool. I am extremely, extremely ecstatic about the presence of this card in the format. No, it's going to see absolutely zero play in Amulet. It's really bad in Amulet. That's that's fine. That's fine. I'm brewing different decks with this card. I'm not I'm not brewing amulet with this card. Amulet got other toys. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm surprised. What 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 do you mean? I I don't know. I just uh, got on Twitter when this was spoiled, and everyone's like, ah, it's going right into amulet. And then you, the amulet master, it's definitely not going right into amulet. Well, I mean, amulet plays exactly one fetch land. <laughs> so. <laughs> And then you play your Titania and you get back, like, a Tolaria West that you fetched, like, a couple of turns before. It's not It's not a good deal. It's not a good deal there, specifically. But I'm honestly really, really sad that we don't have Caracas in the format so that you can bounce this and replay it and bounce it and replay it. And you can just kind of go oh. infinite with that because it's beautiful. But... I mean, that's cool. But then you'd have people bouncing Luras, and that's yeah, not that's okay. Not, that's not cool. uh, but yeah, like this, this is going to. This is going to be. I'm going to be comboing this card with so many other cards, uh, amongst yeah. which we are going to have Suranor, we're going to have Karn the Great Creator, we're going to have a Dryad of the Elysian Grove, of course, we're going to have a Reclamation Sage, we're going to have uh, the Geatrock Monster. Um, I, I cannot wait until I think Thursday, which is when my Titanias are finally going to be legal in my modern decks. I cannot <laughs> wait. This is the most exciting card to me in, in the entire set. Everybody else is like trying to slam counterspell, and you're like, Poof, I got Titania. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm, I'm so stoked. Like, and, and they spoiled this one over the weekend. It was, yeah. it was such a beautiful surprise. Kind of interesting. Does this do anything with Urza's Saga? Is that a thing? No. Uh, not really. Um, I've been talking to Spike about brewing a deck that uses Ursa Saga to go get Suranor, and then you can go all in with... <laughs> uh, you can go in with Titania, but I don't think I would play more than one or a top, at most two. Uh, the, the issue that you have with Ursa Saga is that you don't, you don't really have that many relevant artifacts. Like, it's basically okay. Suranor. And, like, sideboard cards, obviously. <laughs> okay. But, like, you, you're fine, because, like, if you're just using your, rec your Reclaimer to go get your... Uh, your Ursa Saga, you're just fine. Yeah. 
for sure. I'm pretty pumped about this next one myself, uh, which is Riptide Laboratory, or you can say laboratory like a normal person. <laughs> but when you're in sci-fi world, you got to slam those laboratories. <laughs> um, this is a colorless land. It taps for colorless, and it's got one blue tap to return a target wizard you control to its owner's hand. This card has so much brewing potential. I don't know if any of it's going to be any good at all, but uh, chiefly you can return Snapcaster Mage, which is just absurd value. I think this probably returns almost every merfolk. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure what else it hits. Maybe Brazen Borrower might be a wizard. I'm no, not it's, sure. that's a fairy rock. There's, there's a lot oh, of stuff. I mean, the, the two big ones are Vickly Convincer. Beakley yeah. Convencer are yeah. the big ones to to get back with with this and Snapcaster Mage, obviously. Those are those are the the three big ones. Uh, but yeah, this one this was cool. This is a very welcome addition to the format, uh, particularly because those kind of decks um, very often cannot afford to play this kind of land. So it will yeah. really force it will really really force folks to almost play mono blue. It's a real cost, exactly. especially given that we just got Counterspell and people are going to be needing blue-blue on two and blue-blue-blue on three for Archmage's Charm. It's not... This is this card is by no means free, but if you get this rolling, like, particularly, like, if you're in a control mirror, you go, like, end step, snap opt, you know, you go to your turn, hit him with a snap, you play your Riptide Lab, and then you say go, it's like, God, like, how do you, yeah. you know, send a bolt in my snap when I try to return it. Like, that's horrible. Yep. Yeah, it really puts you on the squeeze. Last one. This one is just because I just have too much nostalgia for this this bad boy. Yavin Maya Elder. <laughs> one green green for a 2-1. Creature human druid. When it, it, when it dies, you may search your library for up to two basic land cards. You reveal them and you put them into your hand and shuffle. You pay two and you sacrifice this guy. You draw a card. That's card advantage done right, man. <laughs> that is card advantage done right. I love that card. I love that card so much. It's not very good. <laughs> but... I've played a. You know, it's funny how many of these cards I actively want to play in like vintage cubes. Like, give me, give me that that elder. Give me that upheaval. Like, yeah, of course. Th that's that's the place. And now you just get to do it if you want to. Probably burn a bunch of tickets, but you can do it all the time. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, next category. We're almost done here, dude. We're almost done. Are, are you still with me? You still with me? Oh, I'm. I, I'm. I'm here. I, I, we have. We still haven't gotten to a couple of these white goodies, and I am pumped. Oh, for so, it. so you, you've been. I'm you've been still... holding on there. You've been holding on to the alive. <laughs> all right, role players slash sideboard cards. Dress down. We're gonna read that one real quick. One and a blue enchantment flash when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. It has a line of text that says creatures lose all abilities. And then at the beginning of the end step, you sacrifice this. So the reason... Lars. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. And the reason why I'm putting these amongst the role players slash sideboards is that you can do fun stuff with this. Like, for example, straight up killing uh, Scourge of the Skyclaves. So yeah. it's cute. Probably not gonna be too great. Uh, also, of note, I think this does not work with Dryad of the Elysian Grove nor Magus because of how layers work. 
layers. I, I hate yeah, layers. I hate so layers <laughs> way too much. Uh, but I, I don't quote me on that because I don't understand layers, okay? But I'm fairly certain that you play this and I have a dry in and a magus already in play and it's it's still the same. If I guess if I guess if you play if you play the magus and with the magus is on the stack and I dress down instead and then like for that turn the lands are still gonna work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm 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 going too far. Don't worry about it. Next seal of cleansing <laughs> One and a white enchantment, sacrifice seal of cleansing, destroy target artifact enchantment. Great, great cyber card, great for a player. Lurus! <laughs> I'm really happy we have this, because so many times I've been trying to play a Lurus deck and I have to play like Seal of Primordium. I'm yep. like, why don't I have Seal of Cleansing? Why? 100%. 100%. Um, next one, Soul Snare for one white enchantment. One white and you sacrifice Soul Snare, exile target creature that's attacking you or a planeswalker you control. Really, really weird yes. removal spell <laughs> that works with Lurus. You know it. You know it. Uh, okay, next. Uh, this one's called Flame Blitz. Uh, this one is super interesting, actually. It's, uh, it's an uncommon, and it's an enchantment for one red... It says, at the beginning of your end step, Flame Blitz deals 5 damage to each Planeswalker. And then it has Cycling for 2. I think this is a great sideboard card. Like, your opponent's playing Planeswalkers, you can play this, it mostly is going to kill any one of them in one go. And if it's not relevant, you cycle it. Most matchups that you would be needing to deal with a Planeswalker, you have the time to cycle it. I, I, I think it's this is a, a really cool card. Yeah. Yeah, and like the fact that it cycles, right? Cycling is just such a great keyword in this kind of very, very narrow sideboard cards. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna trade you as we did in Titania. Sanctifier in Envec. White white for a 2-2 creature human cleric, protection from black and from red. When Sanctifier Envec enters the battlefield, exile all cards that are black or red from all graveyards. If a black or red permanent spell or card not on the battlefield would be put into a graveyard, you exile it instead. Go. Yeah, I'm really excited about this card. I, me and pretty much probably every person who's ever played any white creature-based deck is like, when are we getting Rip Bear? We want Rip Bear. And this is not, not quite Rip Bear, but it just does so much against most of the decks that you would want that effect. I don't know if this totally replaces Rip entirely, but I actually honestly think this card could just be a one-of in all of your recruiter decks. You know, it, it, pro-red, pro-black is, is not nothing. Oriok Champion was one of the best creatures in the format for quite a while for a reason, and this is actually just a little bit bigger and it also does things against prowess. Like it, it gets rid of that flashback lava dart, which is not irrelevant. Um, and then just, of course, it's great dredge hate. They can hardly ever remove the thing. I, I think dredge is in one of those spots of if you want to play enough hate to hate to, to beat it out, you just can. And this is another cool tool for that. Uh, I will say that I am less excited about this card right after. I saw that they printed uh, or putting the Dothy <laughs> <Yeah>. Void Walker <laughs> in. It was like, oh, that's what I want mine to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a difference though, right? Like this has an ETB just like Rest in Peace has, while the Dothy thing does not, right? So if there's anything that got into the graveyard before the Dothy guy came into play, 
Like, that's still chilling there. So if your opponent went turn one yeah. or, like, turn two in Tomb, and then you play the Dothy guy, and then your opponent, you know, plays something else, like, you're, you're fine. Like, you, you, the, 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 the reanimator guy is going to is gonna be able to get back their, their dude. Um, that's not the case yeah. in with uh, with this thing. Like, you play Sanctifier and Beck, you exile the, the thing that they entomb, so... Yeah, absolutely. They do do different things, and this also has that protection text on it. So I think that this is a better sideboard card than than Void Walker yeah. is probably, but the other card is is far and away. <laughs> I would say a better. Just the four man, the four card, four copy made that card. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next, uh, sudden edict. One in the black for an instant. It has split second. As long as this spell is on the stack, players can't cast spells or activate abilities that aren't man abilities. And it says target player sacrifices a creature. This seems like a really good yeah. cyber card to me. Like it, it really. That's it's just like a good one to just have access to. Like it, it feels like if your opponent's playing like Emrakul or like those kind of stuff, you know, and you know you, you're like, you they they breach you, and then if you even if you had the Liliana's Triumph, um, like your opponent could just like fetch, and they can get like the Dwarven line or whatever. And now <laughs> that's not a thing. Like if they go for the combo, you're just like, oh, counter spell, lol. No, it, it having split second is a nice addition. I'm not convinced that it's like strictly better than those other ones. You know, like Liliana's Triumph has that extra piece of text of, you know, they discard if you have the Lily, and I imagine you probably think about that if you're wanting it as a sideboard card and you have Lily, but it, it's certainly a welcome addition. Yeah, for sure. Um, next, Curse Totem. Two mana artifact activated abilities of creatures cannot be activated. This is actually a reprint. This is a reprint uh, from uh, Visions or Mirage, one of those. Um, it's cool. I think it's really cool to have access to this one, particularly in, in Karn cool. wishboards, right? Like that's the big deal. Yep. So yep. Uh, I, I imagine that this this is one this one's going to be pretty popular in Karn wishboards. And if you're, you know, we we have played Limvala in the past uh, to to get rid of uh, of creature decks like Yawkmoth and whatnot. Well, now you can just play Curse Totem. And any deck can do yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think this is a good thing to have. It's funny that you, you know, we're both like, oh, Karn board, and I don't, I haven't been keeping a tally, I don't know if you have, but there have been a lot of cards that were like, ooh, this is a nice Luris card, and this is like the first one, where I'm like, ooh, Karn board. Uh, Suranor <laughs> is the other one. Remember, remember okay. when I told All you right. that I was going to... <laughs> To, to, that Titania was was <laughs> hanging out with Karn too. Well, that's that's why. That's okay. Why. I see. Um, next one. This one is actually very exciting. Foundation Breaker, three and a green for a two-two creature elemental. When this enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment. And the big part, it has evoke for one and a green. So as far as amulet goes, this is strictly better. Reclamation Sage. <laughs> Two mana's less than one, than yep. three. So. And even if you want to kill uh, a freaking, uh, like a, an island or something, you don't even take damage. It's great. <laughs> That's actually huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, like, obviously, you, 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 you're just backing for it whenever you need to blow up a Blood Moon. And the 2-1 body barely, barely ever matters. So being one mana cheaper is just a big, big deal. So that's, that's going to be... I, I'm pretty excited about that one for sure. Nice. Next one, there is um, 
what I thought was going to be a strictly better liquid metal coating, then I read a little bit more closely and I realized that it's a strictly worse liquid metal coating. Uh, but still <laughs> worth pointing out because, you know, it's, I get, it's fine. Like, it's just, I was talking about the, 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 the Timor Karn, Blood Destruction Monkey deck, right? So maybe this will see play there. Liquid Metal Torque 2. For an artifact, you tap to add a colorless, and you tap this, and you target non-land permanent becomes an artifact in addition to its other types until end of turn. Can't yeah, target lands. I, I mean, I, I had the sa exact same thought you did, where I was like, whoa, this is just a strictly better liquid metal coating. You can even play it main deck, because it makes mana. It's like your Mind Stone or something. And I was like, oh, wait, doesn't hit lands? Nope. Yep. You know the reason why people play liquid metal coating in the first place? Yeah, that one. <laughs> It's it's almost exclusively just to blow up lands. Like there there's a little bit of fringe application yeah. otherwise every once in a while, but Yeah, I mean the the, the interaction really, is you, no. you turn anything into an artifact and then you engine grudge it, right? So this right. this allows you to vindicate, to to build your own vindicate. Last one from this one. Uh, this I, I I only threw this one into the list because you told me to, and then I was like, ah, maybe it makes sense. Uh, Rift Sower, two and a green for one three creature elf druid. You can tap it, and you add one mana of any color. Suspend two for a green. Yeah, I, I to me this just looks like far seek five through eight. I I don't know if there's a deck that actually wants that, and I do understand there's some difference. You know, like if. Uh, like red green titan did that so that he could get on Valakut or like scape shift sooner right but this does still just ramp you and it's a turn one play you know it does have haste because it's suspend i i don't think it's like totally irrelevant in modern yep all right going on to the next category which is overhyped i can take a couple of these That's for good. you so the first one is suspend and this is I, I i'm happy to start with this one because i think people have been talking about this a lot and are really excited and i don't really get it so it's blue it's an instant exile target creature and put two time counters on it if it doesn't have suspend it gains suspend so what suspend is for those of you who don't know uh, at the beginning of the owner's upkeep they remove a time counter when the last is removed they play it without paying its mana cost if it's a creature it gains haste so of course you're largely only able to hit creatures unless some weird like liquid metal coating shenanigans happens uh, <laughs> to bring it back. And I think the reason people are excited about this, you know, it's a removal spell in blue, and you can do shenanigans with Teferi. But to me, that just seems so cutesy. I, yeah, you know, people were already trying to do a delay with Teferi to make it like strictly better counter spell, and that was awful. Yeah. I don't really see how this is any. There's different. also Lavinia. So like you you can okay. double up on that on that effect for for what's worth I still think this is terrible but like for what's worth you can still <laughs> you can still use you can also use Lavinia and you can double up on that effect you can try yeah harder. exactly uh, <laughs> if you want if you want to you go all in like, you can, you can process really you know <laughs> you can process it to like uh, wasteland strangler yeah. which is kind of interesting yeah I I I also don't get it I feel like they're just such easier ways to have something like that. You know, yeah. Fatal Push is a card too. <laughs> yep, right? Uh, anyway. It's, um, it's funny. Moving on, we've got Harmonic Prodigy, which is a 1 and a red 1-3 human wizard with prowess, and it says if an ability 
of a shaman or another wizard you control triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. So again, human wizard, kind of relevant types. I think, I'm, I'm a little surprised you put this here. I haven't heard that many people talking about it. I, I can kind of see this in like red-white prowess as like Leon and Light Scribe copies five through eight. The issue that I have with this card and why I think it's overhyped, it's that I just think that it's unfortunate. Like you just have to way too many good options. That's that's the only downside for this card. Like if this were one mana, we would be talking. If it, if this were one mana one one, we would be talking. But the fact that it's yeah. a two mana card and the other options that you have are just just insane. Like they're literally the best cards in the format right now. It it just it just yeah. too much it's just too much of a bar. Like I don't think this can ever see play as long as Monastery Sue Spear remains legal. Well, it's funny, like you know, the best deck in the format is blue red premise, and I specifically am like, ooh, Leon and Light Scribe, which is, you know, you're you're going that that other route no, so you don't have all those I mean, great cards. Yes, but at the same time, like so you're playing like a, a worse version of, of the Blue Red Prowess deck, and still it's not as good as the Lyscribe. <laughs> right? Yeah. So like it's still not as good as the other options that we have in this other deck that is just a worse version of the better deck, uh, for the most part. Yeah. So there is some interesting something with it's not only prowess, you know, you can do other things like uh like Burning Tree Emissary triggers twice, so it's kind of like Nabob in that sense. I doubt that does anything. Yeah, I mean but... and there's 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 some shaman synergies actually. Uh but unfortunately like like this is a great card. It's just context does not help this card at all. Like not only does it help no, it, but that, like it, it just torn, it just makes it unplayable in my opinion. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> so Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's that's probably true. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you ran into it occasionally. Again, it would have to be like one of those other not blue variants of prowess, but it does seem largely worse than those other mm -hmm. options. So this next one I actually would not have put in this category at all, and I'm kind of happy you did, because that means we get to have some good discussion here, and that card is Cauldra Complete, which is a 7-mana legendary artifact equipment. It has living weapon, so when it enters the battlefield, it makes a 0-0 germ and automatically equips to that. It is indestructible, and it has equipped creature. It gets plus 5, plus 5. Creature has first strike, trample, indestructible, Haste, and as whenever this creature deals combat damage to a creature, exile that creature. And then the equip cost is a hefty 7. So of course, very few people I think are actually wanting to play this like the hard way. Maybe Tron things, I kind of doubt it. Um, the go-to way to do this would of course be with Stoneforge Mystic. And I think... Maybe I, I can see where you're coming from that maybe people are overhyping it because they're like, oh my goodness, this is better than Batterskull. And I, for the record, I would never play this instead of Batterskull. I would play this in addition to Batterskull. And, you know, it's another one of these cards that's like on your top end, it's going to be a bad draw. Um, Batterskull's also a bad draw. Seven and five is a huge difference. So it, it it's really pretty un, uncastable. But in the matchups that you want it, I think it's going to be 
extremely difficult to deal with this, and it's going to be very fast in a way that Batterskull isn't. So, you know, I can kind of have a turn three pseudo-reality smasher with this, whereas Batterskull is going to be a good bit slower if I, the matchup is just about, you know, clock them as fast as possible. So, the, the reason why I went with that is that, well, yeah, people are comparing this to Batterskull, and I think that overall this is, by a large margin, significantly worse than Batterskull for multiple different reasons. Uh, reason number one is this doesn't allow you to race as well as Batterskull does. Batterskull gives you, not only deals damage, but it gives you a life buffer. It actually gains you life. And... Um, it also blocks, right? Vigilance is a really, really big deal. This has a lot of keywords and a lot of really messed up keywords, but none of those are lifelink and none of those are vigilance, okay? So this one is going to shine when you want to kill your opponent. So if you get paired against Amulet, this card is going to be the nuts, right? Because Amulet's not going to care about yep. your battle school, and the only thing that it cares about is just, you know, dealing with not dying basically um yeah so that's that's the big one number two i think that this card is harder to remove but if your opponent just paths your creature you're dead right like that's it yeah it's gonna be really like, that's hard it to, to to equip it i mean you do get a land off of the path, and path is yeah but like that one land way. extra that you get is going to take you from four to five lands and you're still two lands away from doing this from equipping this and turn this into anything sure. while with batter school you just get to bounce it back to hand and you get to violate it again i right. think that that is right. yeah i mean and batter school does occasionally get cast but it's also usually the worst draw in your deck i think this is going to be a even slightly worse draw. So, you know, it, there is a cost to adding it, but I I don't I think that that's the mistake is it's not replacing Batterskull. It is in addition yeah. to Batterskull. But like even let's say that uh, I'm assuming like you're playing this in a Taxis deck, okay? So, if you're playing yep. this in a Taxis deck and you're playing against a grindy matchup, okay? Mm-hmm. How often your opponent is going to be killing your Stoneforge Mystics. How often do you think that you actually get to cast this? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I'm getting Batter Skull necessarily. So, like, if I if it's a grindy matchup and I think my Stoneforge is going to die, I'm probably, you know, I'm going to get something that's more castable, like a Maul or a Sword, right? So, I, I don't really necessarily see that. Like, the play patterns still exist of, I can, like, violin stoneforge where you maybe can't interact with it because of that timing window uh i still have giver into stoneforge at which point you know it becomes a lot more difficult and then you know maybe you just can't remove cauldra so it's not like by no means am i always like oh cauldra is just going to be the go-to grab but i think in particular if i'm playing like yorion I have I want those forced uh, equipment slots anyway because I'm going to be blinking my thing and if I'm playing Yorion and they path my Cauldra, Yorion resets Cauldra um, as do other yeah, cards. Yeah, Wisp, I guess. That style of deck could play. Yeah. What was like, that? Yeah, if you get this into play, I guess you can reset it with Flicker Wisp and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I just feel like people were 
a little bit too hyped about this, and it, it just feels like it almost feels like a sideboard card to me. As I was saying, it feels yeah, like a sideboard I mean, card against like Storm or Amulet. Even against Storm, it's arguable because they can just bounce your card, and <laughs> it's gonna be sad. Uh, if they echo, yeah, pay exactly one, bounce the token, draw exactly a card. repeal or like Echo Truth or something like that, and you're just gonna be really sad. Um, yeah. So like, but I, it feels like a, a sideboard card against a, a combo deck where they're you know that they're not gonna touch your Stoneforge, so you're just going all in. So. I mean, I would never... I, I, I'm a pretty strong proponent of, of never having an equipment in your sideboard unless that card is exactly Manriki Gusari and that's what you're needing to God do, damn. which you should never be needing to do. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I think often having sideboard swords or whatever is very clunky. Maybe you're right that this is like too unique uh, of a role player, but I, I'm certainly going to try it in those those kind of Stoneforge decks, and I, I, I think it seems reasonable. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's just like, oh my goodness, this is better than Batterskull. No, no. But making your Stoneforge create, like, essentially a reality smasher, like, that, that's pretty big. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, the, the clause that exiles the creature combined with First Strike is is strong <laughs> that's that's a really convenient good combination of abilities uh yeah and it can't be pushed to, i mean you, you there's no way you're ever like multi-blocking it to kill it either uh oh yeah no, it's, it's untouchable. both because of that ability and it is it's untouchable yeah yeah, so it's it's only like path or bounce or like flicker stuff. So like, if you get this, you put it in, and your opponent's like, "Here's a Teferi," you're gonna be pretty sad. But you also might have a situation where they have like Jace, and then you put this and you kill the Jace. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting for sure. Like, and it's on that on that spot, you know, where like obviously it's giving you a lot of stuff, right? So now it's a matter of figuring out is all this stuff. It's the payoff that we're getting really worth the cost in deck building that we're incurring in. But yeah, that that's something for you, man. I'm not gonna be go. I'm not gonna be going anywhere near that card, and I'm not gonna be going anywhere even near the next card that we have going on here. Another one of the overhyped ones? Question mark. Glimpse of tomorrow for a sorcery. No CMC, but suspend. Three for red, red. This is very the same ability as uh, restore balance, living end, etc. And the the effect is shuffle all permanents you own into your library, then reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put all non aura permanent cards revealed this way onto the battlefield, then do the same for aura cards. Then put the rest in the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, I don't. I know people did things with what is it? Wheel of uh, Warp World. What what is the name of the card? Yeah, yeah, Warp World. Sorry, I was say, trying to say Wheel of Fate, which is not no. the right thing. I think people tried to do things in was it Standard with Warp World, <laughs> and I I don't know. I guess if you suspend this on two, you've got it coming off on turn five, and that's like not that bad. But I don't even know if you're winning the game with it, and I just. I don't get it. I feel like there's just a thousand better things I could do if I'm trying to cheat it into play with, like, Cascade or As Foretold. Um, th this strikes me as, like, largely unplayable, but I, I know there have been some, some pretty big proponents of it. I think there was, like, a 
Ari Lack's article where he thought this card was really, really good. Yeah, I don't know. This seems terrible to me. <laughs> uh, it's even worse, <laughs> because like this only affects you. The other one affects both players. So, right, so you could kind exactly. of get him off all you're, you're, you're messing up your opponent while, you know, doing your thing. So there's only, like, you need to make a lot of tokens and have, like, a lot of really big, powerful permanents to be doing something with this. Like, some people have tried to combo that with, like, Primeval Titan, but you know what combos better with Primeval Titan? Just kill them! <laughs> Why do you want to be messing around with this? Just kill them, damn it! Anyway, I don't know. Last category. Last category. Broken? Very last one of the night. Broken or unplayable? We don't know. I I got one here, and I think I know. But <laughs> <laughs> that is Moderation, which is an enchantment. It is one white and a blue, and you can't cast more than one spell each turn. Whenever you cast a spell draw a card so it's a rule of law but only to yourself and you get to cantrip when you cast a spell i don't see this at all i get people are like oh i'm gonna like play one of the new incantations or like the elementals during my opponent's turn i'll draw a card to make up for the card disadvantage or you know uh, i'm gonna flicker it and i none of these things seem particularly good to me especially that mana cost like you could just like play a Teferi instead, like if for the exact same mana. Is this like you, you're gonna compete with that? Like I, I, I don't, I don't see it. Can I interest you in some enchantress nonsense, Spider? <laughs> I don't think you can because like they they are trying to play a bunch of enchantments too. Like they like they play an enchantment and they already have draw a card when they play an enchantment and then they draw another enchantment. And they're like, oh. I can't play this card. No, um, yeah, the only thing that I was thinking about for this card is maybe there's a way to work around it with um, like cycling. So cards that get effects when you cycle. Um, that's the only thing that I could think of, and I, I couldn't think of any cards that did something powerful with that, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I gave too much thought to the card anyway, but that's like the place where I was going to, you know, like just using your mana some other way, like either by cycling or by using like some other sorts of mana sync, etc. I I also right. think it's going to be bad, right. but I don't know. It may be broken. That's why it's in this category. <laughs> and the next one in this category is exactly in the same spot. Gaius Will. Again, no converted mana cost. It's a sorcery that has suspend for one green mana, and it says, until the end of turn, you may play lands and cast spells from your graveyard. If a card will be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile that card instead. A.K.A. Yogmoth will. Yog will. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think this is a lot closer for me of like, ooh, like maybe that does something. I I don't I don't know how it does. I don't know what the shell is because. Any of the like cheaty unsuspend card decks, like I, I don't really think that they want this, but maybe there's a way to, to cheat it in in the right shell. Because I mean, Yogwill is an insanely powerful effect, like maybe one of the most powerful cards in Magic mm -hmm. ever. So 
definitely you want to pay attention when they're like, hey, here's here's a reskinned Yogwill. Yeah, I have no idea how we're supposed to play with this with that card because like it makes you obviously think of. Um, like as foretold, and it makes you think of like electro dominance and stuff like that. I don't know where we go from there, though. <laughs> like that's that's all I got. Like I I got that. It's just like, well, now what do we do with this? And I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe somebody will break it. Maybe somebody will break it. And speaking, yeah. So the last one, very last one. And, you know, this is what happens if you do break it. This card is called Strike It Rich. It is red, a sorcery. Create a treasure token. And it's got flashback for two and a red. Pretty simple, pretty elegant card. Uh, to me, first card that this makes me think of is Wild Cantor. It's actually a little bit harder to interact with than Wild Cantor. So maybe this does something like, you know, maybe Thrasta, maybe Storm Things. And it, it has flashback. You know, an artifact isn't irrelevant. You could do, like, just like Prismari Command's treasure mode was relevant, maybe this is relevant in, you know, Indomitable Creativity. I I don't know, but I think that this this card does something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm, I, I've seen so many people thinking about, like, this card, and, like, how do we break it, and it's just... This is so out of my element that I'm just like, yep. You folks figure out I'll be out here casting Titanias. <laughs> don't mind me. Just playing five mana legendary five threes. Don't don't worry about it. That's yeah. I, I do I mean Thrast is the most interesting one to me because I, I was trying to brew up a Thrasta deck the other day. Somebody I watched a YouTube video and someone was like, Oh, it's Hogag again and I was like, I really don't think it is, but I'm gonna try to see if it is. And and this like maybe pushes that a little bit further. Yeah, I mean, we already had Mana Morphos, and there's also, like, the, the Storm 5-mana dude, mm-hmm. which we talked about. Wait, did we talk about this guy? The Storm 5-mana yeah, We may have already, like, we may have just gone over this thing without talking about it. Whoops. Uh, to be fair, I don't think it's very good, but, like, it's called Ivy Progenitor Ooze. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about this, I don't think. Uh, two green, green, green for a two-two legendary creature ooze. It has storm, and and this isn't legendary if it's a token, and this enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter need for each other ooze you control. So it just makes tokens of itself, and each token is more powerful than the other one. Like it's it's just one bigger than the next one. Yeah, I mean that's fine and like you've also got chatterstorm or the nickname i heard nutshot like both of those are interesting just green so maybe you have like a red green Uh storm deck yeah but it just feels like all of these seems all of them just seem kind of worse than empty the warrens to me i mean i think that the so-called nutshot, you know, the one in green sorcery, you get a 1-1 one, one squirrel and it's got storm. I can actually see that being better than empty just because, you know, two mana is a huge difference. Two to four is Well, everything. yeah, but the whole point of empty is the fact that you storm for six when you're playing against the deck like Shadow or something like that, and you get 12 tokens, right? 12 tokens sure. can close the door against your shadow opponent of a, of a very low storm count, six squirrels are probably not going to do the job. 
True. And maybe it's, you know, if you're playing that many spells, you're probably playing rituals, at which point maybe you could have played empty anyway, and if you could have, that's probably yeah. better. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seems, again, broken or unplayable. <laughs> we we don't well, know. We did it. We did we it. We made it through the All list. Right. Before we go, I have a bonus. This is the bonus round. Ooh. And I am going to try to pronounce the name of this card first, and then you're going to have a shot, okay? <laughs> this is to, to finish up the stream. And this is Asmoranomardikadayotsinakuldakar. <laughs> which is... Which Love is it. a 3-3 legendary creature, human wizard, no converted mana cost. As long as you've discarded a card this turn, you may pay a, a hybrid red or black to cast this spell. When this card enters the battlefield, you must search your library for a card named the Underworld Cookbook. You reveal it and you put it into your hand, then shuffle. And then you can sacrifice two foods and target creatures dealt 6 damage to itself. And then the Underworld Cookbook is a one-mana artifact. You tap it and you discard a card to create a food token and you pay four mana and you sacrifice the Underworld Cookbook and you return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. <laughs> you know, this card, it does uh, do a callback. What is it, like Lightning Axe? Or Lightning... It can I don't know. Be it, it's on a much older oh, card's flavor text. Uh, oh, it's granite gargoyles flavor text. Um, so it's it's it is a callback. And the thing it reminds me of though is is if you ever seen Evil Dead, where it's like he's trying to say the name of the like evil book. It's like the Necronomicon. He has to say something and he forgets what to say. So he's like no no, and he just like coughs and finishes it out. Like that that that's how I feel when I read this. Like asthma, and you're done. Um, but I, I will I will give it a shot. Go. Uh, so this is Asmorano Mar Dick. <laughs> I'm already I'm already messed up. Asmorano Mar Dicka Diced and Dacia Car. I yeah I don't know. I think you you uh, you won. I think I, I have outplayed you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you. you just like sitting there preparing for this one of like Ooh, I've been I've been it. training the, the entire past week. I've been sitting in my car just asmora no mardinica whatever that is. <laughs> um, Perfect. Well, thank you for everybody who's sat in and and survived. This episode has gone on. I'm I'm really happy we got through these. I'm excited for this set. I'm a little sad that you know the red incarnation in particular didn't spoil before this. I think probably tomorrow we'll have the rest of them, or if not, by the very next day. Dude, we made it, man. This re at one point I'm like, this this has gotten out of hand, and like right now I'm looking at this and it's like three hours and thirty eight minutes in my recording software right now. So, well, we have established the record. I don't think I've ever made a podcast this long. Just the casual almost four hours talking about this set. But this set is worth it, man. Like, I really feel like we had yeah. a lot of stuff that we wanted to cover. Because the set is delivering. 
this set is one of the most, probably the most excited, exciting set that we've seen in the most recent times, Absolutely. at least for me. Certainly one of the most powerful sets of all time. Yeah, I, I was I was saying that, and people then completely destroyed me after that. I'm like, I think this is the most powerful set ever. And they're like, well, Alpha. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Alpha has the power 9, and everything else is kind of like, meh. And I feel like this set, like, there's just so many busted cards. Like, none... We, we, I, yeah. And, and the, the nice thing is that we... I don't think we have Hogak. No. No, I don't think we do either. I, I feel like they did a good job of printing lots of playables, but nothing that feels, at least not immediately, oppressive. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that there... A lot of the cards are really, really, really good. Like... Definitely way above average, way above average. Uh, but I don't think that we have anything that is going to just break the format in half. Or at least we're still missing uh, about eighty cards or so. Um, so I mean, there's still the chance, I guess. <laughs> there's still yeah, there's still the, I... the chance that you know the the red the red uh, pitch evoke card is busted or anything like that. I don't know. Um, there's also the yeah. chance that it's just clean and it's just beautiful and nothing breaks any formats and it's just one of the best sets of all time. Yeah, that would, that's that's what everybody's hoping for, I think. And, you know, we're I think we're going to know by next week because next by, by this time next week, the set will be out. People will be yep. playing it. All the cards, of course, naturally will have been spoiled. So we we're we're gonna have some some nice things to talk about yeah. next week. I think. I, I, yeah, I'm and, and it's it's a great thing that the vast majority of the cards that I want to be playing are just reprints. So. So you can exactly start right away. because like usually <laughs> the the really big problem is that. Uh, the way that we get the sets of Magic Online, the cards are made legal, but you can only find them in in chests until they open the queues for drafting, right? Until they make the, the set legal for drafting. And very often, there's like at least a couple of days where you like you can open the cards in chests, but you cannot... Um, you cannot just actually draft a set, meaning that a lot of the, the cards are just missing. So you can want to play you know foundation breaker or like your pitch black card or whatever but you just can't find your hand you cannot get your hand of copies of them so um the good yeah. thing about i don't have the same yeah <laughs> exactly because like a bunch of the cars are simply reprints so like i'm gonna be able to play with my titanius the the day that they are that they're they're made legal in the in the modern format. People are gonna be playing Riptide Laboratory the day that it's legal. You know, like all of the reprints are just great because you can just start testing and trying them right away. So yeah. so yeah, I cannot wait for my opponents to go like turn three shardless agents and put ten power into play and and then me on tapping <laughs> and playing Titania and putting fifteen. <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. I cannot wait. Uh, well, thank you so much, folks, for listening to this entire marathon. I am expecting this is going to be like a, a multiple sit down to <laughs> to 
just probably digest this one in chunks you know just don't don't sit down and pretend to to listen to the whole thing one one time through but if you did it then more power to you you really are a trooper and we will love you forever uh, please let us know what you think about the podcast. We're always, again, we're just starting with this cast, so we're very eager and excited to hear about people's feedback, thoughts, things that people like, things that they didn't, so that is greatly appreciated. And, um, yeah, we're going to sign this one off, uh, Spider. Wanna do, Till next you you want to do the honors? Where can we find you? Yep. Uh, so it is Spider Space on uh, Twitch. So that's twitch.tv slash spiderspace. That's S-P-I-D-E-R-S-P-A-C-E. So I'm, I'm going to have a hard time after the ASMO, Dude, whatever. I'm like, there, I can't There's spell. no turning back, man. There's <laughs> no turning back now. Um, and it's also spiderspace on Twitter. It's spiderspace MTG. So you just got to add that MTG to the end. And you can find me streaming on Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z. That is F Pavlution. You can find me on Patreon, uh, YouTube, and Twitter at F MTG. Also, you cannot find Evan in this podcast today, but hopefully you're gonna be able to find him next week, and you can find him streaming at twitch.tv slash Everos. That's gonna be it for us today, folks. So hopefully we will see you next week. Uh, and you don't just give up on the podcast straight up because we are producing three and four, three hour and 45 minute podcasts. Have an amazing rest of your day and I will see you next week.